Welcome to another episode of Me and Virgil, a Genesis Brothers podcast. Virgil, a.k.a. Alexi Talander. And with me is me. How are you doing, me? <laughs> doing very well. Me here. Um, I suppose twisting it around, a.k.a. Dan, you know. So not Virgil, the other brother, me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Known as, a.k.a. Daniel. Hey, you're the one who wanted to go with the bit, so I'm just I'm going to keep pushing it yeah, every time. In no, every episode, no, okay? I, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I hope everyone else is too. So Okay, good. Glad to have me here, as in Dan. I'm glad to have Roger here. As and well. we're back with episode three of Genesis Brothers podcast. Yes. Where we will tackle our first album episode, We Can't Dance. Woohoo! That we're calling Danceable. The album that started it for both of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> said you wanted to, mm. to kind of kick off the episode and you did the notes for this one of uh, where we continued off from last time was there, was there anything specifically you wanted to continue further from last time or yeah because last time in our previous episode those who were there um we actually did um our a list of our favorite albums and this was at my mm. number one and mm. for years has always been my number one but funny enough only just today I was oh. almost starting to have a rethink. So, <laughs> oh, uh, that's how it is with this band, isn't it? Yeah, I will tell you my uh, my uh, my top songs change since oh, last week. Okay, since we last recorded. Okay, <laughs> Musical Box got in there now. Oh, you got Musical Box in there now. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yes, so all right. Good. Well, yeah, and as always, welcome back to those who uh, were with us last time, and welcome to any fine folks who are listening to the very first time. We welcome you here, me, me, me. And Virgil. So we, yes. So yes. We, so we don't want to rehash too much because we covered quite a bit in the last one with this of what we, our feelings were for Week on Dance and in the first episode for how everything started with us with Genesis. So we don't want to repeat ourselves too much. But is there anything off the top of your head that you want to say about Week on Dance before we dive in and start talking about the songs? Well, I guess it's that it almost can turn into the cliche story saying this is where it all started for me and everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think it was also kind of like you know, I, I, I kind of mentioned this briefly as well in our very first episode about what it was like for us at the time, because we were living very interesting lives at the time. So this is 1991, and we had gone from growing up into a really big house, um, Alex and I, as young kids, to suddenly now living in these apartments because, sadly, my uh, our dad, his business completely folded um, through recession and other well, things. Well, it also was tied into a recession going on, right? Definitely so tied into you, a recession. We, we weren't the only ones going through tough times, yeah. No, 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 exactly. We weren't the... No, we weren't the sole ones going through it. It was the big recession. So, 
yeah, that was happening. And not that we uh, knew much about it as kids, because our, our parents did a really good job of just kind of hiding it all from us and just making honestly, life seem yeah. I mean, honestly, and good. And we would. We I had a great. I had. A, I was still having fun and living somewhere else. It was kind of cool, mm -hmm. I suppose. You know, and it didn't. It wasn't the case yep. of like thinking like, oh my god, this place is so small. No, it was fine. You know. And we did have an apartment. We were in an apartment, but I think somehow we managed to get a hold of another apartment. And then you were living there for a we while. We had two apartments. I think they were related to the the club. Our dad owned. They were. They were. He also they were. The apartments yeah. and stuff yeah. too. So I got to sleep in my own apartment across the way. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, whether we're going to keep this or not, but funny enough, uh, my dad actually came to visit us just quite recently, along with my mum, and he actually sp explained mm -hmm. to us what exactly all happened over there and i've been kind of intrigued to find out for years mm. what this all was about and of course apart from the recession that yes these apartments were all associated with the club the sports club that he owned mm -hmm. and so people can stay there and apparently there was going to be a group a huge like these japanese clients had just sold out the apartments they had sold it out mm -hmm. and at the time the kuwait war broke out and that oh, just wow. completely grounded all flights of oil and everything yeah. and all that stuff with the world yeah mm -hmm. and all flights much like the, the ukraine russia war now has created a lot of turmoil go. and there you go. uncertainty in the world totally. yeah. so because of that no one can come yeah. over so basically that just yeah. that was pretty much like the nail in the coffin okay. for that business so so anyway we're in these apartments now and yeah somehow during that time came across weekend dance album and then of course the famous Nebworth concert but yes with the We Can't Dance album I remember vividly like seeing it the trailer we got the album on cassette as well so it's the good old days mm -hmm. of cassettes so we actually could mm -hmm. have like we knew what song one was and the last song on side one was and song and etc with the same with uh, side two and to me yeah it was just my real first time the very first proper time being very conscious of listening to an album of music and how loud and powerful it was and good to hear as well good old phil because i only knew phil i didn't know mike and tony you see at then i just knew phil i didn't even know who was in genesis or how many people were in genesis or anything like that you see mm -hmm. and it was just a really impactful powerful sound which of course then led to my eventual um love first curiosity and then pure sheer love for drums and i can tell you for for a fact for a drummer's fact that that album is awesome to drum to so the drums are it, super freaking yep, loud i agree too super well produced <laughs> drums are amazing on it um producer nick yep. davis did a fantastic job in in uh, taking yep. over for hugh padgham yeah it, it's mm -hmm. and the songs are just fantastic it's just i feel like and actually uh i didn't i wanted to mention this last time but i thought i'll save it for this one that to me the one last thing i'll say before we dive into it is that I remember Mike's Mike Rutherford's comment that he said, you know, we never really got that that Dark Side of the Moon album for us. We never really got it. And there's no real classic album of ours and everything. So I mean, if you, I, I suppose, if you can face, if you can look at the statistics, you know, logically, I guess for them that would be mm -hmm. Invisible Touch would be their their album, you know, for that matter. Um, mm -hmm. However, for me personally, I think musically, I feel like I feel like uh, We Can Dance is the one that they really got, you know. I think I was going to, I was kind of wondering like with Duke being a bit close to it, but I think Duke is definitely on the prog rock side, more of it in that, in terms of mm -hmm. it's what it's about and everything. There's still a bit of a fantasy side of it about it, you know, whereas We Can Dance is very down to earth about everyday things in life. You know, there's a lot of subject matters that it touches yeah. on, which, you know, we yeah. can all relate to in a way. And that's what I really like about it. And 
it just really grabs me every single time I hear it as well. And I love listening. I love going back to it. And I love listening to it. And I was kind of wondering, like, oh, could I, could you reorder it in some way? It's a fun thing to do. It's like, nope, it just it just works. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to reorder it. Yeah. So I may have something to say about that later on when we talk about the visa. Yeah. Uh, oh, that is true, actually. Yeah, that is a fun that is a fun yes. thing I like to do. Um, and what about you? There is definitely a feel for the for the album, I think. Especially after seeing the um, kind of behind-the-scenes documentary they did on the making of the album. Ah, that would be I really no, wish, no admittance. I really wish it would have been... Right, yes. I really wish it would have been three hours long instead of whatever it is, 40 minutes. But I understand they do stuff oh, that's like true. that. It's true. It's really short, isn't it? Yeah. For TV and things mm. like that, yeah. Mm. It's not too short, but I want, I want more because it's such a wonderful insight into... And that's on YouTube for free, which we'll mm. link here in the show notes for mm-hmm. you to see. Um, but just you see really an insight into how they make it. And they seem... Obviously, there were some tough times. I remember in the documentary you saw where Phil couldn't hit his notes on "Hold on My Heart" and different things, or "Never a Time." It was never a time. Yeah, mm. um, just some some angry moments, but just they seem so relaxed at the farm and just enjoying themselves, mm. going out for bike rides and just all these <laughs> things. Like I don't know how it was with the other albums, maybe, but it seems really like they really got to put as much as they wanted to into it and enjoy on their own schedule, on their own time, with everything of putting this amazing album together and i think it shows in the music yeah and the complexity of the music and the lyrics and just a whole i mean i know there's a lot of nostalgia attached to it because it's our first album but mm-hmm. just like there's something so like feeling kind of perfect with that album with the layout yeah. the design yep. of the cover the all the details inside and everything it just feels perfect to me even though it's not my favorite album, it's right. just yeah something special about it. Well, yeah. I mean, we have we, have, we we tend to forget that this is their first time being together properly together again as a band in like five years. It's like mm-hmm. half a decade for True. them. You know, yeah. that's this was their definitely their longest break. And they I'm ever sure had too with since being. A band. I mean, after the rise of incredible stardom with Invisible Touch, yep. and then you got Phil doing his own stuff and going even higher and doing an even bigger world tour mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. just, I'm sure the guys might have been wondering. Does he want to come back with us? Because, I mean, he's so big and everything. It's just... I mean... And then he does. And then you see, like, oh, and this is why he comes back. Because when they get together, a certain magical music happens that doesn't happen in any other way. Except no. when the three of them are together. No. And, yeah, and I think they were just really happy to be back in us. And Phil has always said he he always loves coming back to them because the biggest thing he loves about being in the band with these two guys is the laughs that they have together. They all get yeah. on so well. There's never any, yeah. there's never any like you know typical rock and roll band turmoils or things like this. There's never. It's, it's not. It's definitely not well, as they had in earlier days with Tony and Peter. Yeah, true. Storming out and stuff. But it's yeah. definitely not like the police where they were back in the day. You know things like mm, this. So they forth, just get yeah. on so well, and he still considers them today as just you know a couple of his best friends. You know his two best friends. And so it's a uh, it's and especially it's a at this point to too when they're well. this, they're all so insanely rich. <laughs> They really don't care about the money at all and how well the album does no. or anything. They more just want no. to enjoy what they're doing together and making music. Yeah, and Phil is just the workaholic, and he just but well, he's classes of a workaholic, but he's, at the same time, he just says, you know what, I, I just love to work. I love to, I love to do this, mm-hmm. and I love to say yes to things. And what I discovered in this documentary that uh, was actually made, I think, right before the the Weekend Dance album came out. So a documentary called a Genesis oh, of really? History. Okay. Made in 1990. Mm. Oh, yeah, you're right. However, yeah. just recently, I came across what seems to be like an extended version of it. I can't remember what Ooh. it was called, and I shared it with I shared it with you, dear bro, just recently. And basically, it's almost like you would call it a director's cut. 
You know, it's all the scenes mm-hmm. from the Genesis, a history documentary, yet there's more stuff in it. And one extra thing in it that Phil actually says, he says... Um, I don't really think I'm a workaholic. I don't think I'm driven to work. Uh, maybe there's a, there's a subconscious guilt for the amount of money I'm paid for what I do that I feel like I should work all the time for it. He wants to show people like, yeah. well, this is... I'm, I'm, wants to I, I'm deserving of it in some way, yeah. Totally, yeah. And and this was a very interesting thing that he said, and it really kind of stopped me like, oh, okay. So, But also he was just a guy who just had to say yes to everyone, you know. No, I don't think I'm driven. I just think I get asked to do interesting things, you know, and, and the things that I do, I kind of feel like I'll learn from. I get an opportunity to play with these people like Robert Plant, Eric Clapton, you know, McCartney, whoever. People that I grew up with listening to suddenly... I'm involved with them, like helping them make their records or playing drums with them. But it's, it's a great opportunity to do something. Mm-hmm. All these people are just like, I can't say no to this. And then... Well, and it's one of those dream jobs. You're like, of course. Yeah. Well, these, are people, these are people he grew up with and, and listened yes, to and maybe, idolized. I think there's also something to be said, too, with obviously this is the last Genesis album of the three mm-hmm. of them together, too, in this mm-hmm. way of writing new music. So I think there's part of that together, too, of where, like, well, at least you went out with a bang and you really nailed it in a good way and made something special especially phil with um the amount of lyrics he puts to this album i actually wanted to mm-hmm. double check with that today because I, I know he wrote six song six sorry in terms of the lyrics mm-hmm. he wrote six so the, basically the first four tracks on the album so no son of mine jesus mm-hmm. he knows me trying the last bike i can dance hold on my heart and since i lost you but that was kind of curious who wrote the lyrics to tell me why because obviously that is about the famine in ethiopia which and about felt like a mic song one of his protest songs to me was it Mike or no? I have no idea. I actually wanted to double check that. I, have, oh. I meant to check that. Today. I have a list of um, I found through the Discord a while ago of just where it shows all the various writing credits. Yes, but um, yes. for We Can't Dance, it basically showed all three of them tagged on each one, mm. and it showed some mm. emphasis, mm-hmm. like of mm-hmm. who kind of focused on some of them or whatever. And I think it was Mike for that one. Mm. It felt like one of his types of songs. Um, I did want to say real quick before we jump into the songs to. There's going to be a um, doing a little teaser here of something special I'm going to do related to this album. At the end of this episode, I'll mention it. Um, it'll be a special little giveaway thing I'm doing that we'll figure out how to do. But uh, oh. stay tuned to the end of the episode. And Dan, if I forget to mention it, remind me. <laughs> okay. No, no problem. Oh, I, I just wanted to jump on. So according to Wikipedia, so I'm wrong. Phil did not mm-hmm. write uh, lyrics to six songs in the album. He wrote seven. He wrote the lyrics to tell me why. <laughs> So, well, there we go. So, well, yeah, it's also Wikipedia. Can you trust it? it I don't was, know. Right. So, actually, I'm quite surprised. So, Mike Rutherford, but then not surprising that he wrote the lyrics to "Never a Time." Okay, so I knew he did "Never a Time." Yeah, and he, but definitely and "Dream Dream Away Sleep," maybe? one of my favorite lyric on the album. Yeah. Oh, that's his. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Which, anyway, should we just uh, let's just get jump? Let's just jump straight the into them. Yes. Kick off title track. No son of mine. How I could 
the infamous elephant working title for that song. <laughs> yes, that was again the fun thing of the documentary, seeing the, the the little working titles they had for everything, and that mm. strange sound that was some riff Mike played that Tony took and played around with through his keyboard thingies. Yes, uh, I love how they Whatever said like you know, then... I love the it just you get you keep getting reminded of the relationship between Mike and Tony. <laughs> Which is just sort of, he was just playing random guitar. He doesn't call it random guitar. He says it was very fine guitar playing, but I say it was random guitar. <laughs> but, but that's what he grabbed. And right. he actually showed the original but also sound they were freely, that Mike had. freely steal stuff from each other too, which is a kind of a cool thing that they're, again, totally. they're a band. It doesn't matter. You share and you work together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and, this and you have this really cool... incredible sound that I've never heard replicated anywhere else in any sort of way or anything close to it. And it's just such a, like, it sets a mood in such a way. Well, once again, once again, a brilliant kickoff talk. to an album. I mean, I mean, yeah. just to kick it up with the, a the count, ticking clock, ticking clock. Yep. Um, although I love how Tony Smith in the reunion in the Turn It On Again show, when they were showing the clocks on the screens, for some reason, Tony mm -hmm. Tony Smith. Oh, no, not Tony Smith. Uh, the lighting guy, uh, Patrick mm -hmm. Woodridge, I believe. Sorry if I got that wrong. Wow. Um, the lighting man, for some reason, <laughs> he kept calling the clocks because they weren't on the screens yet. They were talking about it the same. And he kept saying, mm -hmm. so when you have the three cocks on the screen, and, and then they were like, You show three faces and then your three cocks after that. Three what? Three cocks. Three clocks, you mean? Oh, they're clocks. Sorry. I've got <laughs> the clocks on the side of mine. Oh, I thought you were. What's clocks? Clocks. Three cocks. Three cocks. <laughs> three cocks. <laughs> what sort of show you think you're doing here? Okay. I'm not in Vegas now. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, a different band, I think, yeah. <laughs> um, a little spinal tap moment. Yeah. So yeah, but a, an amazing start to an album, and I know these guys are very proud of this one, and I can totally understand that because it is just insanely. So it powerful. starts with the with the the ticking clock, and then there's those the it's two beats and then two beats. Now is that a bass drum or is that just a drum machine or something? I wouldn't be surprised if it was a drum machine, but I I think it was one of the people from actually the Tabletop Genesis who they actually thought. They, it reminded them of the song Time. A fantastic podcast, Genesis podcast. If anyone needs one, a good one. Yeah, they go through each album and they do a fantastic job. I've gone through every episode of that podcast twice um, and still listening to it That's today. Fantastic. It is an incredible <laughs> podcast. And mm -hmm. yeah, and I, I remember one of them said that the, the start of that song, No Son of Mine, either they thought it was or it reminded them of Time by Pink Floyd. And it's actually quite true because mm -hmm. Pink Floyd, you've also oh, got yeah. the ticking, ticking sound. Which is done on the bass, by the which way. Which is actually my favorite track on the Dark Side of the Moon album. That's a good choice. And you got the ticking sound, which is actually done on the bass, funnily mm -hmm. enough. And then you also got the boom, boom. So, but I guess it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a ticking sound, then you've got to have a heartbeat, you know. So, yeah. And it's just Did they brilliant. do, do you know if they did the that double beat thing we were talking about? Did they do that on the bass drum live? I don't think they did, right? right? No, I think it's a, I think it's part of the, the backing track. That Again, they part there. of the pre, yeah, yeah. right. Backing track there because and then you have the trying to try and replicate that live. I, I, I they probably did try it saying Chester wanted you try it on the bass drum, but mm -hmm. it, it just wouldn't be the same. You just had the doom doom, this no, no. massive sound yeah, coming out, it'd be too much. But again, it's all about that slow, I mean, the slow way it build. just slowly builds in, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then then you have that horn of an end of elephant sound mm -hmm. just roaring in, you know, like what's going on and here. These beautiful, and then Phil starts singing, eerie, eerie chords underneath. And you just, you just instantly in a scene, mm -hmm. you've got a scene straight away. You're like, okay, yep. what's all this mm -hmm. about? And then thinking about it, like the very first lyric on the album, 
It's like, well, the key to my survival was never in much doubt. It's like, okay, wow, this is we we are definitely yeah, we are definitely we're, not in the land. We got of, some big guns right away. We are definitely not in the land of invisible yeah. touch anymore. That's for sure. We are somewhere um, definitely, completely yeah, so different. Talking about the simple love story, yeah, yeah, and and I love how that how this story originated that they were just jamming as they all do yeah. with this album, and then and we came to the chorus. What was to become the chorus? I was seeing. Oh son, oh son of mine, oh son, you know son. And Mike said to me when we came to writing the lyrics, he said on that song it sounds like you're singing No Son of Mine. And I don't know what I was singing really. I was singing something like that. Just like I mean, that's how they came up with Invisible Touch too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like Mike again said. It seems like you were saying Invisible. Sounds like you were saying Invisible Touch. But um, there is. Um, I highly recommend as well if you really want to check out some of the history behind the makings of these songs, is Phil Collins appearing on VH1 Storytellers. And so those of you mm -hmm. who don't know that show, um, VH1 Storytellers is basically like famous singers. Back when bands. Uh, VH1 played music. Yes. <laughs> and these these bands or singer-songwriters will come on the show and they would basically just play the song in a very broken down acoustic way and just explain how they mm -hmm. were written. And Phil was on it himself, but he still threw in a few Genesis songs, which is really cool. And this was one of yeah. them. And I love he, he said... I started singing, No son, you're no son of mine. For some reason, I don't know why. I had a very happy childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I do remember that now. Yeah. But of course, then yeah, and so it builds up, and you've got the very strong lyrics. Very well, then the really powerful. I mean, you got what is it? You've got a is it a verse? Trying or is it just or is it just a couple of lines? And then that drum comes in. Oh. Every time, it just, that, it just just like incredible snare that just sounds like the most beautiful. Yeah, thing and this will probably this will definitely come into the episode, which will be coming up uh, a few down the line, possibly about which versions we prefer, the live or the or the original mm -hmm. version. And I'll just very briefly jump onto that now, just because I have to say it. Um, I actually do prefer this version because the studio, I, yep. I do prefer the studio version because I do prefer the sound of Phil's snare in particular. Uh, yeah, because it, it just gorgeous. has this such a fat in your face snare. again it just fills everything it fills it's like a whole yeah, everything experience. not not yeah. not enough to deafen your ears but it just is there no. it's a brilliant balance plus i believe that this is that when they did play it live i think they took it down perhaps half a semitone or something mm -hmm. maybe not on the weekend dance tour but in the later tours but with Chester's uh, as amazing as Chester is and he in that drum kit he had a different drum kit than what Phil has on the record um that snare does come in. It's very loud. It's very there as well. It just doesn't have that same tone about it, that tonality about it. So. You can't have that. Can't, you can't have the same sound as in a studio because you're in a small confined room versus a giant. Open yeah, well, arena. yeah, and plus Phil's got. I think Phil likes to use more like 
I'm probably wrong about this, but I think he used like used likes to use a lot of metal snares, whereas Chester likes to use a lot of wooden mm-hmm. snares. So, f- mm. any people who are listening to me out there, drummers who are screaming at me, going, "What the hell are you talking about?" Then feel free to comment about that. Um, feel free to correct me about that. That's just how how I'm hearing hearing it. So how it sounds to you. I mean, I do think out of all the Genesis songs. The drumming in this one, just with the fills and the balance of everything, is just, I think it's perfection for drumming. Yeah. For and what's really cool in the No Admittance documentary, uh, you actually get to see Phil drumming on this song as well, mm-hmm. which is a rarity as well, because obviously we only see the drums when Chester plays it. So it's really cool to actually see Phil putting down the drums, unlike other documentaries where they've mm-hmm. showed little clips of them recording the Invisible Touch album or even the Mama album when that was available as part of the reissued box set for the album for the Mama album. And you got mm-hmm. actually Phil's homemade footage of that, of them recording the Mama stuff, uh, the Mama album material, the Shapes album, the self-titled yeah. album. Sadly, I think a lot of people complain about that, saying like, well, it was great. You got to see Tony play and Mike play and and Phil sing. You just never actually got to see Phil again. play drums. Because yeah. I think he did all his drum bits were done already, well, you know. Early days of uh, video technology that wasn't as good. Yeah. <laughs> So it's really cool to get to see Phil play this. And plus, from a drummer's mm-hmm. perspective as well, I got to see, like, for example, that right before then you got into this, then the bass kicks in and you you feel like you this is really building to somewhere. And right before that bass kicks in, you have this double snare here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this was one of the very first things that I learned on the drums as well in terms of, like, which hands to use, you know, which in, drum, right. in drummer's term is actually called sticking. So you use the right hand or the left mm-hmm. hand. And seeing Chester doing it, he's actually going right, left. Whereas in the studio, you just see Phil doing it like, well, I'm just going to use one hand. It just goes right, right. Well, and I and you can hear that. I mean, I can hear it when, when he's playing. I can yeah. hear it because it, it's a slightly different. It's so small, slight difference. But you mm-hmm. can tell mm-hmm. just of how it, the sound is being played on everything like that. It's just it's super cool. And it's just the whole song is a constant build. Yep. And then yep. Yep. crescendos with the chorus and then comes back down and it's just like yeah you get into that crescendo and, and then you're in that power and it just opens up completely into this phenomenal chorus totally understand why mm-hmm. they just would not stop playing it from this on from here on in every tour after oh, this i think it's, i think it might be phil's might be his favorite song out of all the genesis catalog i mean i know it's one of his favorites and he's always wanted to play it and stuff but okay it might be his favorite out of all of them. okay i'm okay. not sure but i'm just it's my, my vibe i'm getting from phil yeah when he, when yeah. he loves singing yeah. and playing it so much yeah and and again but i mean and then you... with the with the chorus too then you've got Mike doing it's I mean sorry Tony doing a little bit of it's kind of a sort of solo in the chorus mm-hmm, bit you know the, mm-hmm. the riff and it just like again adds a little more and it just adds it. a little more layer to it absolutely more going on yep yeah and then as Genesis do so well as they you know transitions and then you've got this and you're the other chorus and then warm it comes back down way to back down again elephant sound again yeah minimal stuff yeah, and but now, but but now we're back. But now yeah. we've got a full groove here, you know, because that groove just keeps going. Because yeah. because again, you've got this kind of like ticking sound that gives you the impression, mm-hmm. that gives you the idea. I mean, it's painting a wonderful picture for you as well about this boy who's come from an abusive family, and life just kind of keeps going for him, and he doesn't know whether he sh- and he ran away from home, and then he's going to come back to home, and he's not too sure, and it feels like this just keeps going around his head, and I feel like they really transition that brilliantly 
in the song because it's either the ticking clock or the drums with the bass and it just keeps going it just keeps going and going because this boy is constantly thinking that well and even i mean it's all about time and stuff and pacing and yeah yeah and even um even down to glenn realized until i started soaring, seeing it live um was that uh mike is also doing the a little bit on the guitar too mm. just again the pacing mm-hmm. thing jump, too jump, you know, jump, jump, the jump, 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 yeah. jump. yep yep and it's wonderful as well to really we tend to forget at this point that you know it's like oh mike's lead guitar playing has just has just risen so much he's just become mm-hmm. a really wonderful player and and i'm really happy the way he's kind of come about because he's definitely he's he's definitely a different player from steve hackett you know steve hackett was really about solo solo single notes i really like mike's guitar playing in terms of like he really likes to he really likes to combine a lot of notes with his solo playing if i'm making any sense here you know i'm feeling i just feel like the solos that he that he does really tasteful really there's no there's no you know he's not showing off there's no waddling about this or anything exactly like he's that, not you know? overdoing it or whatever definitely yeah. not mm-hmm. overdoing it no and it's and you tend it, to and it fits the song yeah and it fits there's the a song lot of guitar solo something else to sound a little too much for the song or just yeah. pushing too much yeah. in some yeah. way that just don't do much for the song and, and i love just fit right. and i yeah. love the solo same stuff with michael the mechanic yeah. stuff too it's always been that way where he yeah. hasn't tried to do too much no. he just no. don't what's right for the song no i and... do remember too i have a note from this from when listening to the cassette of how there would be like this almost like a a whistling or chirping, like bird chirping sound, especially um, after the first chorus as they go back into um, the verses and things. And it took me a while to realize it's Mike changing his hands on the chords and the sound of the fingers yeah, on the strings. Yeah, yeah. What would I do if we passed on the street? Would I keep running away? Funny that they Which again was a cool little detail to keep it in, you know. It's something I you probably, I don't know if they could have taken that out then. I mean, you obviously, I, later yeah, editions, I, I you feel can, like sure I think, you can do I think that. You, you hear something like that as well in Tony's um, Heat Haze on the Duke album. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere mm-hmm. in, in the second verse, I think you hear that. But I believe in the reissue. And it's just it's a big chord change, basically, yeah. of wherever you are on the neck of the guitar. But so I that's think why it comes I think out. I think in the reissued version, I think they took it out. You know, mm-hmm. oh, uh, okay. which is a bit of a shame. I it's like things like that because it just too. makes it feel more human. It's like it's like hearing you know flutists playing, and you can actually hear them taking in right, breaths as they're right. breathing yeah. To, yeah. to play yeah. the next notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah, and funnily enough, when you break this song down, like it's like it's literally just like intro, verse, pre-chorus, chorus verse chorus chorus outro end you know so mm-hmm. there's no necessity to go to a middle eight or anything like that and there's definitely a, enough usage here for soloing going on you don't need a instrumental section or anything like this um and it's quite a very full lyrical song it's pretty much lyrics throughout the mm-hmm. entire thing and again it shows i think it transitions it paints a one really good picture that this boy he's just got these thoughts in his head what's going on what's he going to do what's he going to do what's he going to do and and sadly i mean there's really no there's sadly no ending to this song either you know he just kind of right. carries on yeah. like that you know and i think the boy just kind of probably runs away again you kind of you can use your own imagination to what the outcome of this could be and at least in the video the music video the boy definitely seems older enough to i was gonna say the music video did a really nice job of yeah of the tone and the feel and everything too just yeah and the build up and just everything getting crazy at the end now is that the one that ends with 
um, a snow globe, isn't it? It turns out <laughs> and it, then it, you turn out the whole thing is a snow globe, globe or something. And then you and smash it. That was a little bit yeah. like, well, what was that about? Yeah. You know. Um, and <laughs> interesting fact, then then you see that kid, but then I can't remember who the I can't for the life of me know remember what the band is called, but the song was called Wide Open Space, a really groovy mm-hmm. song, and the kid in that video is like. It's the same. It's the no son of mine kid. It's the same kid who then eventually turns into a vampire. Spoiler um, in that video. Oh. I can't remember what the band was called. But it was a really cool song. Um, recommend to check out that song. Just wide open space video vampire video. Just like same kid from the no son of mine mm-hmm. video. So, yeah. So I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think. And we've... then as the song. So then as the song goes to fade out, then you've got you actually hear part of Mike soloing at the end there to get. Yeah. Finish up the song, but then it just fades out. So and tasteful. then we actually don't get to hear the full solo until you see them live mm-hmm. yeah and which is it's, just, uh, it's a beautiful solo at the, yeah I will it, say like do you have a favorite because uh, it's I feel like each time they've done it live on the turn on again tour in the last domino the solos have been a little different at the end for Mike yep and yep yep for me that one the weekend dance tour is the one that's just feels perfect and, yeah same and, same here same here right yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, he definitely changed it a lot maybe because the keys were dropped so he kind of had to like he kind of had to work his way that's around it that's true i've never even Apparent, thought that i more just I, thought oh well because he's not he can't remember the notes right no no i think you're probably right it probably is different keys and that changes mm. everything because you can't play the same notes yeah right. yeah all right anything else for no son of mine no, honestly, we probably could have a whole podcast about this song alone, you know. So, but uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Maybe one day we will. I do like. We'll see. I do like the way it fades out as well, because again, it just it just keeps you in that mind of yeah. that kid thinking, "What I'm going to do?" So yeah. So now we move into track two of the album. Jesus, he knows me. Oh yes. Not Is it playing in your head now too. Yeah, playing in my head. <laughs> yeah, not 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 by Ghost, but by Genesis. So, oh yes, you're right. <laughs> Two very different bands, but a very cool version. <laughs> but anyway, we can touch on that later on if if we need to. So, yes, Jesus, he knows me, and uh, a brilliant second song as well because we've just gone from kind of like half time slow, and I mean that in the best way possible, um, feel. To suddenly like it, you just get picked right up into a complete double time track that just kicks butt, you know, really <laughs> in your face, really upbeat and everything. Even more upbeat than the last one was, even though the last one was pretty upbeat, yeah, fast as it was, yeah. It um, reminds me of um, High Fidelity, well, specifically the High Fidelity film where uh-huh. uh, the John Cusack character is talking about making a mixtape and how you want to start out with a bang. But then you've got to take it up a notch. Yeah. And that's what they do here. Which is, you know, yeah, they do. Also, real quick, I forgot to bring that up about No Son of Mine. So, what a great opener, album opener. Yeah. Question, is it the best Genesis album opener? I think Ooh. it's up there, at least. It's definitely... And then I started oh, yeah. thinking, oh, it might be. And then I started thinking, wait, well, Watcher of the Skies is a very good start. And yeah. Yeah. Behind the Lines is just... Behind the bang. Lines. Um, Dancing with the Moon at Light is pretty special. This is completely a cappella. Mm. I really dig that. But I mean, as well. just kind of an explosive start. I mean, it's, I love that song, but this was an explosive mm-hmm. start. It's actually, it's probably tied with Behind the Lions for how to kick off an album with an explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in terms of explosion, definitely that one. Um, can't think of any other one mm. that 
kicks off that way. I mean, Invisible Touch kind of does that too. Yeah. But in a very more funky R&B way, way yeah. you know. So, so Jesus true. knows me. Very interesting uh, subject matter. Huh? <laughs> I, I, I title this as a American song in my notes of, of yeah. going in there under Phil's, you know, his Wild West stuff he liked, his Alamo stuff, and ah. this one where obviously with them... I mean, I remember him saying... Wow. I'm trying to remember what interview it was. I think it was actually the interviews from the sum of Genesis, the sum of all parts. And mm. about a couple of months ago, maybe six months ago now, um, they started releasing the complete um, interviews on YouTube of like the two hour interviews they did yeah. with all the members and stuff like that. Which is awesome. And I think it was in that one that Phil was talking about how they'd, you know, finish a gig and they'd be on cloud nine and all this high stuff. So they couldn't go to sleep until like, you know, two or 3 a.m. Right. And so he'd be there in his hotel room, just turning on the TV and then all the, all that's on the TV is, you know, wall to wall TV evangelists on Sundays. And then yeah. he was, <laughs> yeah. And then he was saying, I, mean, I used to, when we used to check into a hotel, there was nothing on television. I always went for that, you know. And if I was lucky, Ernest Angley would be on. So I'd have him up, you know, like two o'clock in the morning or something. And uh, you know, in those rooms, you could hear everything that went on. And I'm sure there were some people kind of this religious maniac must be living next door. And if he's a member of Genesis, it all makes sense, you know. <laughs> oh, true. but you yeah. know, I uh, I got to like the guy a lot. Yeah, but that's true. Actually, you got for the yeah first time in their career, they're actually using apart from the Genesis to Revelation album. Here they are using another sense of a religious name putting religious. in there. In you know referencing. I mean, you could say there's some well. stuff in um, some references in Supper's Ready too. I suppose. Yeah, that's very true. Also true. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm sure uh, it's something they want a subject matter they wanted to kind of shy away from after the wonderful flopping of From Genesis to Revelation as an album mm, name mm. and first album stuff and just. But again, yeah. goes to show like how far along they've come with songwriting. I mean, Phil just comes up with a song by watching mm. TV, you know, and that's mm -hmm. it. Just wants that because he feels really, an he idea feels, that he because he feels really passionate about and, it. You know, see, and just and yeah. again, I guess I guess this is also a bit of his protest song. Exactly. I was going to say that. It's also someone taking advantage of others and yep. him wanting to comment on that. Yep. yep. I mean, he did it even on his um, Testify album, you know. Don't get mm -hmm. me started. Don't get me started. Like that, you know. Yep. Very true. Very true. Yes. So lyrically, obviously, this is another one of his. So out of the seven songs that we realize now, uh, number two. And again, it's in, in order as well. That, yeah, talks about, sings about TV evangelists and how he basically is playing the character of a TV evangelist. So he is mm -hmm. you know, singing from a first-person perspective of this TV evangelist right. and how he loves his life because he gets to... Uh, but actually, no, I don't, think he, I don't think he's deliberately saying, like, I am ripping off his people. He is a person who deliberately, who deliberately feels he believes that he has the touch of... If I'm reading that correctly, if he's feeling like I do have the touch of God and get me $18 million by the weekend... Well, he's he's playing a TV evangelist in the song, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, Peter had as many characters that he showed mm. in his various songs and things like that, too. And Phil did it a bit with Robbery, Assault, and Battery. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others. But it, it was another sure. opportunity, I suppose, where he could have, if he wanted, done a bit of a voice in some way. But he chose not to, which is, I think, probably the right choice. No. It, was, it but... probably would have taken it a bit away from the song and... If this had been written in the 70s, maybe he would have done a bit of a voice True. then for it in some True. way that would have worked. Yeah. But I think this time it was right to do it this way. However, 
the music video yeah, goes all say, in with it. You know? They saved <laughs> all that. Way. They saved all that for the music video and even for the tour as well. That right. Phil would play yeah. the would put yeah. the character on at the, the before the song intro bit the song. where he gave an intro bit and then put it all on and start yeah proselytizing during the song and towards the end with the guitar solo yeah, and everything. Yeah. Now the Lord speaks to me. Yes, the Lord speaks to me. He whispers in my ear. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, he does. Disbelievers, disbelievers. He whispers in my ear. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And he said to me, go on to the television. Go on to the television and get the people to touch the screen. Touch the screen. And heal. Heal. Out, demons. Out. Heal. You do any of that bullshit you got to do, but get me that $18 million by the weekend. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I, I have to be truthful here that some people do think I'm crazy. But I, but I truly believe, people, I truly believe that Jesus, yes, Jesus, he knows me. He obviously saw a lot of these evangelists, but there was one particular one he said, and I've forgotten the name of it, Jimmy, someone. Ernest Angley. And just said he really, he really just basically copied him. And that's who he's replicating right. there, you see. So, and of course, Phil with his acting chops. Do whatever you got to do, but get acting. me that $18 million by the weekend. Yeah. And obviously, Phil putting, putting on his acting skills once again and just does it so brilliantly. And again, it's showing the humorous side of Genesis that they always have. They, mm -hmm. they have always had, you see. And I suppose coming from a song like No Son of Mine, you've got to. <laughs> We've got to completely change, change stuff up here, you see. As it's dealing with, you know, religious subject matter, it could be a, you know, icy area to talk about or whatever but we have our mother who's very catholic and it's one of her mm. favorite genesis songs i know for sure so it's, it, it did its job right well again it's very it's a very except catchy. for maybe the millionaire tv evangelists who might have been a bit hurt about it but they could just sleep on their better money and deal with it. <laughs> uh, yeah they're, they're they're doing okay for themselves sadly um but yeah a, a kick a, a brilliant brilliant second tune and yeah you've just got this pumping drums underneath and again, it, it, it's a really fine uh, opening lyric for that. Do you see the face on the TV screen coming at you every Sunday? Mm -hmm. And that instantly just makes you think about, oh, well, image. Guess, uh, yep. that, okay, we know what he's talking about. And again, of course, if you, ha if you do have the CD notes uh, or the record notes, whatever you want to call it, that it does explain kind yep. of like underneath. I've not seen it in literally years, I have to say, sadly. Um, but I think it does show on the song titles a little glimpse about what the song is about and uh, looking at the camera right now with Virgil uh, looks like he's about to go and get the copy of the album so what do you want to know there we go a uh, bit bright but if you can if you can well, read it out quickly for us yeah it's like a little well, um, well I don't think oh you mean there's some description isn't there it's some... just the lyrics to the song oh okay i thought maybe there was discussing no. i thought there was but there is a part of the well, like the art design and stuff little doodles for each song there is it's mm. a television with a tv evangelist on there yep and then above that tv is a halo a halo that's right that's right mm -hmm. definitely one of my favorite artworks of their entire career this album and that's what they did on the um it's just so during the week on dance tour um live when it was on the screen the big jumbotron screens up there mm -hmm. i think phil even had little halo on at it. the very end of the song yeah he's on his knees and then the yeah. halo appears above him. and he's and it's fantastic yeah what about the way he ends and he's like praying on his knees. and then as the last beat of the song finishes the song well no he's actually standing and then he drops to his knees i think yes isn't he? well yeah for the lyric Get up! 
Wonderfully, yeah, wonderfully, brilliantly as well, especially with Mike saying that, um, what is it, doesn't know about my girlfriend or the man I met last night, <laughs> and he's yep. there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they get their, their chops on, their wigs on, uh, literal wigs, <laughs> um, terrible wigs. Especially since, I mean, they had to because, again, from, from our dear mother, who has often referred to Mike as looking much like Jesus, <laughs> it was uh, a thing they couldn't ignore, I'm sure. Exactly, yeah. Which I think was the funny thing that when they did the the what's it called the the spitting image puppetry for Land of Confusion that mm-hmm. uh, they would mention about that with about they, they they literally used him as a Jesus doll or something like that. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I'm not a fan of spitting image. I like so. the bridge really much in it too because they do a they go to a reggae beat, which is a very cool change. And, and they've done it, I think, maybe once or twice before in various Genesis songs. That top of my head, I can't think yeah, of it. I um, like I top of my it, head, I think rare. something with me. Me and Sarah Jane has a little bit of that too. Yeah. And oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I think Tony might have mentioned that that was one of the first things that came to him. Although I might, I might be thinking of the opening riff. That keyboard riff, da 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 da, da which is the first thing it has. But I think he had the the the, the reggae riff at the beginning, and sorry, the in the bridge. I think it was one of the other things he had first off with this. They just had to try and incorporate some way. And yeah, it's uh, an amazing first time we got a bridge on this album as well, a middle eight, whatever you want to call it. After having mm-hmm. a really catchy chorus, it's just so catchy. Uh, you can't get out of your head, even if like maybe you're not a fan of the band or whatever. You can't not go away from then. Just have a little bit of an earworm, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. You know, it will be around in your head. And um, real time as well. Illegal Alien was the other one I was thinking of. That's kind of a almost reggae uh, bridge bit. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the marimba sound or whatever that Tony's playing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, really, uh, again, painting a, a fantastic picture as well. And, of course, the music video literally, I think, just pretty much follows the lyrics all the way through with the music video. Mm-hmm. Everything that Phil mm-hmm. is talk, singing about. Much like No Son of Mine did it in some ways, too. Of just like, I'm sure what the director's like, well, this is easy, for guys. Thanks for <laughs> making, uh, you know, giving me the story. And I just do it. Yeah. The story. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And I think uh, when we touch on our probably the episode about about the music videos i mean this one is definitely up there for me at the top one of the top of mm-hmm. one of the top five top three heck top two i don't know maybe even favorite yeah. i think just because maybe the best one just, just because it around. really you know it's you know i'm i'm i kind of have grown tired of just these videos where you've just got a band playing on a stage you know i mean i just i really want to hear the song what the song is about and for me personally who's a guy who never really listened to lyrics much it you re- it really does help you this way you can't not pay attention to the lyrics i, mean, I haven't song. seen it in um i don't know how long i mean the full thing from start to finish it's probably been i don't know 20 years or something mm-hmm. like that. but mm-hmm. i can still remember like the bridge they're all in jacuzzis yeah 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, just do what I say, don't do as I do. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, and again, brilliant lyrics from Phil in the song. Just mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. clearly, just this just must have fallen out of him in a way that he was just so frustratingly passionate <laughs> about all this. Right, but one of those ones that like really came together with the idea and you built on it and then you put mm-hmm. the lyrics. I mean, I wonder if the mute. Well, I'm sure the music came out of some jam session, but yes, just yes, it all just came to came together so well and really came out as a well crafted perfect song. Yeah, that must have been a real fun. Thing and you know, uh, we know that Mike is a Mike is a big fan of this song since he is currently playing on it. Well, I don't know if he's wrapped up his tour now or not, but the current Mike and Mechanics tour. Oh, I didn't know he was, was playing. I didn't know the tour was done already. Okay, um, I'm not sure. I think it might be. Okay. Well, that's true because I did not know this, but they did on the tour because this was originally supposed to be on the last Genesis tour, the the last Domino tour. Somewhere out there is a rehearsal video and it's got it on there. Is it not in the the documentary? I'm probably wrong about this. But again, somewhere out there, there's a full video of the whole song them performing it. Oh, Mike and the Mechanics. No, I think of Genesis. I'm sure in some oh, rehearsal you thing somewhere, where they played it. You I'm know? sure there is somewhere out there. Maybe one maybe, day we'll get to see maybe it. Maybe now yeah. that Mike's done with his tour, maybe now I can emerge because maybe they did want to take the 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 thunder mm. away from them. See, mm. so so it's really great. To... Well, then I also want the uh, I also want the medley that has the full version of Fading Lights, please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was really nice to actually see with Nicholas Collins. What he actually does, how he plays on that song as well, watching it with Mike and the Mechanics mm-hmm. is really cool. So the singing wasn't as good in my opinion. But that's just I agree, but I think probably because I didn't find the right quality video yet. Um, yeah, the singing mm. definitely, yeah. But that's, uh, that's a different topic. <laughs> so anyway, another, another banger, a great one for track two to just really keep the momentum going with the album mm. and again a, and again kind of an appropriate jesus fade out me. because he's just he just keeps going like yep jesus he knows me i'm just always going to get to get away with this because there's always going to be a new <laughs> a new person to screw over and it's kind of like they're right. just like oh, just remembering from the tour like, when he's doing the the heel and he's yep. healing the audience yep. and yep. it was so good and then the way it ends with the yeah a brilliant and a brilliant fade out a brilliant ending as well because uh yeah, quite quite a different ending for them in a way, in a strange way for them to, to have that mm-hmm, Dowell mm-hmm. kind of like because Dowell plays actually the guitar on this track. On the guitar, because, yeah. Because they have a whole now, I can't they actually remember, have a they all have an extended solo? solo section at the end. That's right, yeah. They go into a solo section yeah. at the end. So unless that Exactly, was, and that's when Phil's yeah, and I'm working kind of, with the audience. I'm kind of wondering yeah. if that was the sole reason why, for some reason, that because I think this is the only we can't dance track on the tour where Dowell is playing guitar. Because otherwise Mike and the guitar on, mm-hmm. on all the, the We Can't Dance tracks on that tour. So maybe it's solely because of that ending, they wanted to have a real crazy solo thing because this entire song is crazy and everything about it is crazy. They just wanted to have something like that. And maybe just they said, oh, let's have a solo at the end. And maybe Mike did try it and he just thought, you know what, Daryl, you take up. You just do it instead. Give it a Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I mean, I'm trying to remember, does the, is the solo on the, the studio version too at the end? No, there's not at all. It just goes remember. into... No, not the, I know the full solo, but is there any solo bit or is oh, it more I see. just fading I know, out? No, as far as I know. Yeah, no, as far as I remember, there's no soloing whatsoever on this track. Again, very... Right, very, so that is all just Daryl putting full his very lyrical song, yeah. you see. There's no real instrumental yeah. section in this. You've just got little glimpses of intros and that's really it, you see. There's no real instrumental so, yeah, section. Yeah, with it ending as Daryl does, with it going yep. down the neck, yep. it's kind of yep. like he did it with... Um, in the old medley bit uh, before they go into another ah, at the end of the fifth right. bit too, yeah. Which is a very cool effect in guitar that I love hearing every time. Yes, so especially keep doing it, Daryl. Yes, good stuff. Mm. Cool. Well, yeah. So again, 
kick a kick uh, just a song that kicks butt every time and it's great to see to to watch it like watch them doing it live as well it just has this fantastic vibe about it so and respect to phil as well whenever so as they said yeah no i was just saying respect to phil because he, he get, because the live version he jumps back once again into the tv evangelist spiel by saying i believe the lord came to me but i particularly notice it with yeah. listening to the way we walk um albums obviously watching the Nebworth performance he says and I put all those petrols in my limousine and then listening to the Way We Walk album yes. he's in America somewhere he's saying I'll put those gasolines into my limousines like oh Phil you are so yeah, that's right. connected to the audience good on you man good on you yes you're so on it <laughs> just like they can speak in their language too yeah. speaking all the different languages yeah. across the world yeah yeah it's wonderful. You... All right. So, well, like, uh, as in High Fidelity, we're saying, you've got to start out with a bang and you've got to kick it up a notch. Well, then he says you've got to take it down a mm-hmm. notch, which is what they kind of do with uh, track three, Driving, Driving the Last Spike. spike. <laughs> I listened to it just recently and it's just so powerful again a really and again mm-hmm. the first time Phil's running a lyric for a 10 minute song it's 10 minutes this song right. and normally normally Tony's the one in the seat doing that but Phil mm-hmm. said you know what let me have a go but also this is I mean just for a long song but a specific long story in the song mm. too it's a 10 minute story it's not like it's half into lyrics and then half cool solos and stuff no. it's a whole giant story he keeps telling and stuff you know and i started trying to think like well when did genesis do that and i was realizing it's been a very long time since probably with peter you know i was looking back well what other songs kind of have these long stories and i was like well supper's ready and um return the giant hogweed and get him out by friday, yeah, friday. with long songs with mm. long stories but they haven't really done that since then so it was a big deal for him to battle of epping forest this. another one <laughs> <laughs> and then uh well you got the lamb Perhaps goes well. on too long but yes yeah. and then i guess you just you could just say simply two words the lamb as well that's just one gigantic story too mm-hmm. yeah right but uh no that's a good that's i guess a good point i never really thought about it before that this was a been yeah a really long time that they grabbed the song and it's very full in in the best way possible it's very full of lyrics this song and you can understand it with peter because he's the singer so yeah. he wants to put a lot of lyrics yeah. into it hence the lamb um whereas with phil it's like well i can do drums and different things mm. and we can do solos and things but mm. we're not we're going to do the song how it is and no again i wish they could release uh some demo tapes of all their jam sessions to hear what little bits of this song came out through those and stuff like that that would know? have been inter- that would be interesting again the song. pacing is just immaculate with this song and the slow build into it and then how in the you know the middle of the song it changes to a different tempo, which is just like, ah, it's good old classic prog rock when all of a sudden we kick it up a notch and 
But then again, Phil's got, you know, three more verses to sing of yep. more story of yep. this incredible tale of the building of the British Railways and the loss of life. And mm. I mean, all the lyrics are just so like they hit me every time so powerfully. I remember getting into a bit of an argument with my friend of mine um, who he said about this song in terms of the lyrics, because he was like, he was like, OK, yeah, cool and everything. But who cares <laughs> about that? And I said, well, Dude is Genesis. This is what they do, you know. Was uh was this friend of yours a parent at the time? No, no. Ah, see, because I really feel I I mean I've always loved this song, but I feel definitely as a parent hearing about these guys having to leave their families and their children, their crying children, mm. and not even knowing if they'd come back to them ever, mm. you know, to make money for them and to support them and stuff. But they could very I mean a lot of them did just die and never come back, mm. and just a lot of powerful imagery there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very again we've we've gone back to a darker side again. So we've gone dark, light, and now we're kind of dark again. Um <laughs> with the illusion that perhaps we don't I mean again, this is written from a first person's perspective. Um quote This is the story as seen through one man's eyes, it's called Driving the Last Fight. So a lot of eyes very well and very... sometimes it switches it's one it's one per first person and then sometimes i don't know if i have to check the i can look at the lyrics but it does shift shift to um third person too oh, okay oh then i yeah. never really, i never really picked up on that before okay that's new to me um, um so yeah well on this actually and dan as i'm looking at the mm -hmm. uh cd details here this has a little bit ah, of oh about, yeah that's right um in, I can read it if you want. In the early 1800s, large groups of mainly unskilled laborers built England's railways. The cost in human terms alone was very high. Oh, I've not, I've, I've actually not written, I've not read that in years. I think probably the last time I read it was probably so much younger and immature back then. I probably didn't understand all half of it. Um, unskilled mm -hmm. laborers as well. Jeez. Wow. Right, so they didn't even know what they were doing, working with dynamite and pickaxes and all these things. Yeah. Um, actually, looking at it now, so it does switch between, I mean, it's first person, it is throughout saying I, but then he talks about we as well. Oh, we, so that's it's, right. It's yeah, still yeah. from the well, first because person, eventually, yeah, about because I this person we. now, he's with yeah. these group of people that who knows how long he's been there for, how many months he's been there for, right. of course, now. And he's somehow still friends. alive and, and yeah, well, can't really believe so it in, in some a, ways. In a, and I guess in a way, yeah, and I guess in a way, I mean, sadly, there's no real outcome. You never know what happens to him. But at least by the end of the song, it sounds like he's still alive. So that's uh, at least something right. about it. So you're kind of hoping that maybe there's there's hope for him, that he somehow might get back home, you know, in a way. That is interesting. Yeah, like you said, with the end, because there is no, like you almost would have thought Phil would have put a sort of epilogue on it, maybe having him come back to his family or something. He could have done that. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe with how they did the song just didn't work with that or what? Yeah, I, I actually know. really think that. All I mean, the last line is pretty strong, though, with... They'll never see the likes of us again. I mean, that was the idea. Which these I have, uh, unfortunately, people. now I can't listen to that lyric without welling up because I remember seeing uh, either a tweet or something like that at the end of the the Genesis last Domino tour, and they literally quoted that line: mm -hmm. "They'll never see the likes of us again," referencing oh on the screen referencing referencing the band Genesis. 
and that really oh, got my God. that really got to me. And I was, and I was listening to it the other yep. day, the other day, and I was just like, I started to well up. It's like it's so true, it's so true. So I I can't listen to that now That's without being so reminds me of um, um, Roxette that they have this wonderful song called um, "Things Will Never Be the Same," which is a great '80s beat tune mm. and everything. And when um, Marie Friedrichsen passed away from cancer a few years ago and stuff, the Per Gressel, the other member, said. Things will never be the same. That was his tweet. And I was just like, run! Oh, man. And in this way, too, it was yeah, it's definitely a tough last tour that I've just, I mean, you heard it from Phil. He didn't really want to talk much about it and just wanted to do the music yep. on that last show. Yep, yep. yep. I do remember one funny thing with uh, one one minor critique, if you will, mm-hmm. with this song performed studio versus live is, um, and I'll double check the lyrics here. To oh, make I, think, sure I, I think I know where right. you're going with this. Yes. It's, do you know what's coming? Yeah. Uh, is this the compass? Is this the compass one. lyric? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, it's they came from the north and they came from the south, which will be a natural, you know, from mm. northern England, southern England. But then live, it's they came from the south and they came from the north. <laughs> well, clearly you will play the clips from each version here and we'll know. Yeah. So this is actually, and we could probably do an episode on this. This is a known thing with Phil of sometimes intentionally swapping around lyrics yep. and, and muffing them up, and sometimes unintentionally. No, I, th- I think because I remember vividly when we were watching the live version, the Nebworth tape, our infamous Nebworth tape, um, mm-hmm. which we talk about very heavily in the first episode, that Phil sings the correct lyrics <laughs> because i think on the yes stu- you're right i can see it here we just say we came from the south we came from yeah the and north. i think yeah. on the studio yeah. version Live, he, he sings it i guess a typo <laughs> so he sings the other way around but then when we when we listen to it i remember the first time i think the first time we watched it live when phil sings how it's written i think we both looked at each other like because <gasps> <laughs> he got it right <laughs> Oh, so so the, so he sings it differently ly- lyrically on the on the on the album on version. the studio version. I think he sings it differently, oh. uh, and live oh, he he also down. points yeah. with his finger as well. Well, it kind of makes you would think it makes more sense to yep. go yep. Top up to and down first, first yeah, because yeah. they were the northerners were the more poorer hmm. and more unskilled. So. Maybe there was just like one of these anyway. takes that he was doing, and it was just like Tony and Mike were just going, and and producer Nick Davis was going like, "Damn, that sounds so good," and then he just sings that. And then they're both going like, oh, wait, no, we'll keep it. We'll keep it. It's fine. It's fine. You know, so <laughs> something. And Phil probably didn't even realize that afterwards until afterwards. So, yeah, uh, very just this is not this is just pure power and very powerful emotion in this song as well. Phil gives it his all in the song. I mean, we tend to we we, we see both drumming and singing. Well, and the drums are just like the, all the drums are something else in the song. But actually, I wanted to pick up. We have not really commented on that yet that this album i mean obviously you know he's just become such a strong such a much more stronger singer over the years but probably in this album mm-hmm. in my opinion probably gives his absolute best vocal i mean obviously yeah he's I had agree with that. a lot of practice at this point i mean the guy has just come off a 120 date world tour from his solo tour so i think it was right. about that 120 shows so he's had a lot of practice and a lot of care for his voice and everything so the right. guy can sing, as they say, the phone book at this point. So, well, and he's been doing it for 
20 years yeah, at this point now. Yeah. He's in his early 40s. Mm, that's so right. he's not too old, no, but not too young. Still doing these keys. But I think actually when they did it on the tour, they already took it down, I think, half a semitone. Uh, I was going to say, and when they did the tour, a lot of like this one, yeah, notoriously, because there's various versions out there, some with that original version. And I think for some of the other songs, too, they took down in certain ways and stuff just because in that studio, he gave it his all. And when you're able to, yeah. because you're you're under less stresses with having the freedom on your own schedule to get it done. Yeah. Compared to being on tour and, you know, having that, to fit their schedule. That would have been an incredible thing to see as a fly on the wall for that one. That's for sure. And yeah, that's the thing. And I feel like he really feels, he really digs into it. And and again, it helps though that he, because he always talked about saying, you know, I'm done with singing these really crazy lyrics from Tony. I can't sing that anymore. You know, I want to sing more natural things. And in this album, that's yeah. why I think, I think for me vocally, this is his best album because more than half mm -hmm. the songs are his own lyrics. And so he really yeah. feels very strongly con connected to them, of course. You hear that emotion in the songs. Yeah, he really has emotion in the song. And yeah, as you say, like, the um the well to put it in a more drummer's term that it feels like the tempo changes but like it's like up until like halfway through the song we've got this very half timey kind of feel here and then suddenly we just go bam into a double time with this full almost like a not i don't want to say disco but the bass drum is just going on it's just pumping 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 with a great riff well and obviously and then you got michael guitar going yeah and i love that well, that's obviously that's um, for me. That was oh. always the moving train. I mean, it shows on the screens yeah. as they're doing that part. It's actually the train going. I can see it, but that. it feels like it's the moving train there. I can yeah. see that. I mean, but I was just thinking, like, again, the drums are fantastic. Yep. Uh, Mike's playing. I mean, everything just feels. And then Tony, obviously, doing his mm. the kind of they're not really the chorus bits, but the little bits. The way he brings it back down with his little bit on the you know yep. beautiful sounding yep. keyboard yep. and stuff like that, and the organ sounds and everything. It just it really feels with this song. One of them could not have done them done it on their own in any way. You needed all of them together with Phil drumming to to put the song together to make it the perfection that it is. That they each form their own part that fits so well like a perfect puzzle. If you take one of the bits out, it falls flat. It's not a good song. No, you 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 hit the nail right on the head there. Totally. They need the they need the power of the three of them to really. But get now around the, the head song. into the uh, the railway line, right? The railway spike. Exactly. And exactly, then you then you finally get the actual title of the song that he says more than halfway mm -hmm. through the song, which is quite a very just very classic Genesis slash prog rock band thing to mm. do, right? You know, so and, and again, a nice little reminder saying like, oh, by the way, we're not just a pop band. Here's a 10 minute song about right. British railways and title of the song is only mentioned once, not in the choruses. So, very randomly random aside that's what always bugged me a bit about the genesis slash shapes slash Al mama album name it's like i understand why they did it and why they were choosing to do it but i still think you guys are still prog a little bit of prog in your hearts do something cool with the name you know that's not just a song <laughs> or nothing oh you mean like in terms of it's a minor quibble what, what, what are you talking about in terms of the name of the album or what do you, what do you mean yes just like and not giving it an, a name or whatever it's just it's Led to a lot of confusion, I think, and stuff. But I can understand. And then they said why they did it. Yeah. Some things I feel like, no, you should. It should have just been. No, should we try this? No, let's not. Let's just give the album a good name. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe they just felt a bit weird by saying, "Here's a new album from Genesis called Mama." I mean, I wonder. I can imagine like what people might be thinking. You know, it's like, what the heck is this? So yeah, that would, that would be quite an interesting discussion about what 
the title, the, the alternative title for that album could be. I mean, I know they they call it the Shapes album because it's just the most, in my opinion, the most ridiculous album cover on it, just showing these shapes from this toy that Five belonged to my son, apparently, at the time. So, yeah, um, don't know what they what they were thinking there. So. They could have they could have easily just pulled a lyric from Silver Rainbow and slapped that on the cover and that would have confused everyone. Yes. Nice. <laughs> okay, anyway, let's get back to Driver the Last Spike. Just very tranquil start and again painting a really good picture for you and especially when you do see it live that the 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 screens just show up on this open field mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. see. Uh which yep. is the location of where the rail lines are gonna be and et cetera, et cetera. Um and just really it just really starts to give you the impression of where you are instantly. And again, you're very somewhere very different. You do feel like you're kind of out in the open somewhere with these very wide open, this ambient feel behind you. And again, mm. very strong opening lyric saying, leaving my family behind me, not knowing what lay ahead. You're right. Like, oh, wow. Again, what's, what's happening? Explaining right ahead. You're like, again, throw them right in there. Like, oh, okay. We're not holding back again. No, and I guess it's kind of interesting coming from Phil because he's he says he's always been a, a writer who's very obvious. You know, he says I, he says songs like I love you and blah, blah, blah. You know, but then he right. gets straight to the point straight away. You know, if you've got maybe Tony, he'll probably write something very, <laughs> very uh, ominous or obscure or, or thinking yeah. like, what? Indirect. What are you yeah, saying, yeah. Tony? I don't know. What are you saying? Yeah. So and he'll say, I don't know, really. It just sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds, quote, Tony, fantastic. Yeah. So you, you straight off the bat, you've got a very strong lyric and you're thinking to yourself, it's a great start to the story as well, in a way, because obviously these are all telling stories and that's a great It makes you want to listen line. and keep keep following yeah, along. It really yeah. does make you want to listen and keep listening along. And then, uh, and again, very slow build. In a good way, of course. Very powerful, strong build to everything. And then you've got these little bits of drum machine, drum percussiveness, percussive stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And that riff. The, the... Which could possibly be, you know, the idea in your mind of men working and build, you know, pickaxes and hammers, possibly things like that. Wow, or, I never, you know, I never, what they call... I never thought about that before. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yes, mm. of course. Just coming to me now, yeah. The illusion <laughs> about thinking, that, yeah. the illusion that's like that little yeah, bits. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, and then of course you got then the drums kick in. And again, it just snaps and it, and just you with in the face. top of my head. It might work as um, an explosion type thing because they were using dynamite to mm. blow up lots of mountains wow. and things like that too. You know, true. That's true. But then again, you know, you are. That's true. You do you do write for your own podcast, so I guess this is, this is probably why you are able to paint these amazing <laughs> pictures. Yeah, and and then again, like so, so, no son of mine, these powerful drums just kick in. And mm-hmm. again, I think going going along with your lines here, maybe those to to create some something happening that something major has just happened yeah. here. Well, you're telling a story through music. Yeah, yeah, probably with those drums kicking in, something something disastrous has just happened here, or whatever, and then. And then I'm guessing with the chorus, then the, yeah. then the first time the chorus kicks in, and can you hear me? Can you see? And I'm guessing that this was supposed to mm-hmm. supposed to give the illusion that something has happened and rubble has come down, and right. you can't even see the men anymore, you know, because they're kind of like buried in mm-hmm. a way or something like this, you know. So. Right, and then, then half of them are buried. Yep. Half of them are dead. Half of them, well, not half, but you know, yeah, a yeah, number yeah. of them are yeah. dead. Um, a number of them are, you know 
gravely injured. A number of them don't even know if they're ever going to nope. be able to get out of nope. here. And, you know, just all in various it's just, conditions it's just, and situations. Yeah, it's so. just really... Yeah, and again, it's just brilliant, brilliant lyrics really just helping you tell a story of this and mm-hmm. nothing but just as unfortunate, disastrous experiences that these people, these men, these poor men went through. And Phil, he's now... he's A sad he, story that's just beautiful, yeah. beautifully told. And now Phil just takes it up a notch vocally and, you know, by getting more powerful with his voice. And it's almost like as mm-hmm. if he's the one narrating, like, like he's... T- I mean, in a way, maybe one can create the happy ending by he is now the person explaining this story to his grandkids, you know, or something like this. There you perhaps. go. Okay. And yeah, that could be a, when he's a going, thing. He came back. He survived. Yeah. yeah. And now that he's retelling the story, of course, he's now reliving these memories, which still anger him. Mm-hmm. So with Phil. Right. Phil now getting higher up with his singing, it's almost like Phil is now bringing that emotion as the character that yeah. he's getting the deeper in the story. You get yeah, the more emotional getting, you get about it as you yeah, remember more of it. The, yeah. The, yeah. The, the frustration and all that is coming back to him, you see. So in a way, and then, and the senseless loss of life. Yeah. That really keeps hitting you. All the friends that are gone now because of it. Yeah. Totally. totally. I was totally. thinking of how, um, also the, the, the beautiful little Tony, like it's almost like a mini keyboard solo bit yeah. as, you know that plays at the end of it, and the way it's done usually at the end of a big, I guess the chorus or whatever, and it, the way it just brings it down and quietens it down for a moment. Again, that almost gives the listener time to reflect mm-hmm. on what's just been told, just think about what's just happened, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's you know, again, that's uh, really a sad story and all this stuff, and then you move into the next verse, and you're like, okay, now we're moving yeah. on now into yes. the whole story. chapter, yeah. yeah, it's like chapter two now or something like that. Again, mm-hmm. a, a band that definitely knows their dynamics and how to use them. Uh, and it's just yeah right endless and then the the right at the end of the song that little keyboard solo gets used again mm. but now it's you know got the faster beat under it and it's got a slightly different uh, more twinkly sound on the keyboard which is kind of cool to, to bring that back again throughout as yep. it has been coming throughout the song and then to use it in a slightly different way yeah yeah and then just when you think it just can't get any higher up then you've got this amazing powerful guitar part it's like okay Mike is here now creating this great rhythmic riff um almost as if like the 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 person is just calling out and saying like you know what i i want to get through this and i want to beat this i want to survive i want to see my family again and then that kicks into this double time we've now got into a proper groove here and just when you think like one can almost feel like okay i feel like oh can i can i withstand any more from this song Am I feeling starting to feel so too much? Is this song getting too much for me? And then bam, full up emotionally. Yes. Am I full up emotionally? Beautifully put. And then bam comes in this whole brand new groove, and suddenly you're like, oh, well, this has just changed something completely. Well, that's what it almost it it resets it for you, and for me, in some ways, it becomes a whole new song. You know, it's like two songs stuck together in some ways, but we're talking about the same subject matter. Totally. Yeah. And. Now, like our character is just, he's at the boiling point now, but he can't raise his voice any longer. So Phil's gone back down a little bit here and saying lyrics like, we worked like the devil for our pay. Um, But now, of course, he's really feeling the emotions and he's really starting to question himself whether he can actually come back home with lyrics like, I can... I can hear my children cry. I can see the tears in their eyes, you see. I was wondering, like, if the, the first part 
is the sadness yep. of seeing everything. And then the second part is the anger at what Perhaps. had to happen. Yes, and happened. yes. And him now mm-hmm. not doing, wanting nothing, but just to go home. You know, just to be, just to, right. just to see his family see your, again. Your family again. Even yeah. probably wishing himself, even if I just get one minute just to see my family, then I'm okay. You know. Yeah, it is. It was course because it's you know it's like during um, you know the world wars and stuff, and you had all these mm. husbands writing letters home to their wives and stuff, and there's all this emotion in them and stuff like that. I mean, it's not just those war, all wars, mm. those stories and those letters and things like that. That just you know, they, that's the only way they can communicate and the only way they can release in any way. Yes. About the frustration they feel. Yes. Too bad they couldn't ever release this as a single, huh? It would have changed the I world. I know. That's... And funny enough, actually, I listened to this for the first time also as a parent and hearing those lyrics saying, I could hear my mm-hmm. children's cry. That really got to me, of course, now uh-huh. being a parent for yep. almost a decade. Um, mm-hmm. That was really powerful to hear and quite emotional to, to try and get through as well, you see. So, mm-hmm. and then the thought about mm-hmm. not having the control of when I, when I would be able to see my own children again. I mean, that the horrifies uncertainty. me. Yep. That's, that scares me to death can imagine that at all and then of course we don't go back to a course again until the very end of the song you see so mm-hmm. and again now it's spoken it's like screamed almost yelled at you you know angrily yep instead of it being yeah and cries again of help and phil probably and, and then like phil anger. probably giving his best vocal of his entire career mm-hmm. with genesis with yeah. um you know so what is it um hear my children's cry um what is it? I'll always remember that night when they waved goodbye to their fathers. Um, and As they waved goodbye to their fathers. Yeah. Yep. And then he just carried But then then that line, they'll never see the likes of us Memories again. of those I've left behind still ringing in my ears. I mean, it's just such words. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And what a perfect placement on the album, too, I feel like, with the third track. Mm-hmm. Just like, mm-hmm. it's a long track to show. Oh, we're Genesis. We still make long songs. And here's a waffle Yeah, because it's definitely a, a very heavy emotional song. And I feel like if that was somewhere later on in the album, I feel like you couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, I think you would just be full of a mm-hmm. lot. You might be sapped already. I think stuff. so. Yeah, I think true. so. So it yeah, you're, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one to drain. It's a good one to have there. It's like in the best way possible. This, this is a very heavy song in terms of emotion. So we'll get this out of the way now. You know, right. then we can carry on to something completely different, which will step on to Yeah, and... Yeah, and then of course, uh, what's it called? They never see the likes of us again. I think his probably his best vocal he's ever done with the band. Um, he really just gave it his all. And again with the producing too, and the echo, I just like yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, and then it goes back to that killer riff, mixing and everything. And then finally we go back into the Tony's riff again. That almost like for you now to mm-hmm. look back and to reflect. And you're like, okay, so so so, what's 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 the next part? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And he just says that line, one last line, saying, "Can you hear me? Um, can you see me? You know, not see me. Is that the right lyrics? No. Can you? <laughs> when I'm not singing it, it, then I get the wrong lyrics, of course. Can you hear me? Can you, can you see? see? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Don't you see? Don't you see? Yeah. Do you don't see? you hear that? Don't you hear me? Don't you oh, see? Oh, in my perfect world, maybe that's him. Actually. Um, making it home to the family, and that's him actually calling out mm-hmm. to his family, saying, "Can you?" I think you? I think you're right. He's telling the story back to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then he, it ends with in that last, like guitar strum that slowly fades out, and then as Genesis do so bloody well, you're like, oh, you're like reeling from this sound that you just experienced in song, mm. and then you're waiting, and that's this 
beautiful silence for a bit and then dance comes in with a, just a nice solid easy guitar riff to be like okay this is simple this is yeah catch a tune i can get behind this this definitely needed that the album now definitely needed simple humor uh you know again we've gone to a back to a very light and in terms of musicality and even color sound everything this mm-hmm. track is just super light super simple super fun even goofy to a point you know but you needed that because I was just going to say yeah. my my little yes, my needed, little yeah. wrap up to driving the last spike was like okay I think I think even from talking about it we're quite emotionally full now to the brim and we need to go right. away yeah so you you've sat back in your chair now you've probably just you know wiped your eyes again for the third or fourth time in this song and then a track the title well I, well one could I was going to say the title track but technically not because it's I can't mm-hmm. dance not we can't mm-hmm. dance. And again, apparently Phil wrote the lyrics in like 20 minutes or something, you know, inspired right. by the Levi's I do like the, um, so. the the working title for this was Blue Jean, I think, wasn't it? Blue Jeans. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Which is like, I think that also could have just said as the name of the song, I think, too, and worked very well. True, true, true. Or in brackets or yeah. something like that. I don't know. Yeah, because um, yeah. that's right. Because again, again, this is something, I guess, that they saw on TV. All these Blue Jeans mm-hmm. commercials, all these models and everything looking perfect. Yep. And them, of course, saying like, well, Santa Monica Pier, guys working out and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going, well, we're nothing like that. So that's just, uh, (laughs) again, something they saw from TV, which is kind of interesting. Like, Jesus, he knows me. Something was starting to come to me there. I'm just thinking they're in their 40s now doing these types of songs. And I've been thinking as we've been talking about all the songs here and how, you know, the cover is a father and son. And maybe these are all just like stories and lessons being shared between a parent and their child. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this one, it's like, they could only do this song at the level they were at now in their careers where they've gotten a little older. They've had families and children and stuff like this, and they can poke fun at themselves about thinking they're hot rock gods and they're not really. They're getting to be no, you know, no. more in the old fart category, you know? No, exactly. And and they they know that and they wanted to just in a way express that and saying like, you know, mm-hmm. we 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 definitely can't dance, you know, and this was the era of pure <laughs> dance music and hence the tit- the album title and then just a little reflection upon that as well. Which segues yeah. perfectly into my uh, bit, I mean, my Thomas Berg bit I'm referring mm, to, which is an I'm old... with this. Um, was this. This was high school, friend. Yeah, it was high school, early high school. Um, and I remember playing it during our art class. We were able to, um, while we were drawing and painting and stuff, we were able to play music that we wanted to hear on the cassette okay. player, the radio there. And okay. I can remember playing... At least at one point, Invisible Touch and hearing and doing uh, Anything She Does. I can remember that solidly in my memory and one person mm. really liking it there. And oh, then yeah. also playing, I'm sure, this at some point. So I'm probably that means I had those two albums at some point. Um, and also playing this. And then Thomas Berg, a Danish friend of mine, being very confused because he'd probably seen the music video too of them dancing the whole time pretty much through the video. Right. And being like... But it's called I Can't Dance. But they're dancing the whole time. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, it's a bit like what they what I think someone said to the, one of the band members. Like, so who who did the choreography for you guys? 
Well, and then was it Mike who said? I think it was some weird thing Phil started doing, and then they just maybe from the Invisible Touch era too, or Touch Tool, and then they pulled that and just extended it to be the way we walk thing. Well, Genesis are very good at keeping stuff that can be five, ten years old and then bringing <laughs> yeah. it back and never forgetting. I don't know how they do it, but they do it all the time. That's true, I suppose. Yeah, something sticks in your head, and they could, they just have, and that's the thing. They have the patience as well to say, you know what, it's not ready yet. It's not ready. Or they had the patience to say, hmm, you know what? That's not working anymore. Which is exactly the which is exactly how this song came about. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reflect upon Phil VH1 storytellers that he uses this song in a, as an example. And I it's brilliant. It's brilliantly done. I'll I'll definitely um, try and share the audio here. This next song just came out of a guitar riff, and uh, and I started. Tony had just got a new keyboard and he had some funny drum machine sounds on it. He says doing doing and he was uh, he was mucking about with this, and I going. Ah. And we like this, believe it or not. And uh, so we said, hey, let's not work on this. Let's just let's leave it one of those loose things, because you know sometimes the problem with you know with a band, you can over rehearse things and you over arrange things. And, and uh, so anyway, so we we thought we'd leave it till till we started doing the sessions. So we started doing it. And we put the, the basic track down with his funny sounds and Mike's, Mike's guitar. And while they were putting the track down, I was writing the words in the corner. And it took me about half an hour to write these words. And uh, originally the title of the song was Blue Jeans. Great chorus, great riff. Um, and again, yeah, killer riff. I'd love to know what Well, it's Mike's great they just they recorded everything. They didn't say anything was too stupid or pointless or wouldn't work or whatever. No. You just leave the recording going the whole time because it's your studio. It's your you studio. It, so you don't have to worry about your that. Song, and you keep and, everything. Yeah. And, and again, these, way, these yeah. guys are songwriters and suddenly something new mm -hmm. has come about here. You know, we're, we're, like, we're now into, well, technically we're now into the year, year, the 22nd year of this band, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Or if you want to go in more technical, maybe the 23rd or 4th year, you know, from 1967 mm -hmm. to 1991 now. Yeah. And yet still they're like, oh, that sounds new. That sounds cool. That sounds different. Let's use it, you see, which is why this band is so awesome, because they're just always open for new ideas. And again, just having more than one mind as well, thinking thinking that way as well. And both yep. of them getting on well, so well and having a great connection and going like, yeah, yep. let's use that, you see. I feel like I have to mention here the Lily White Lilith bit that was done in the late 60s yeah. as part of a cover of what the other song is. And then they kept that little bit. Yeah, and it didn't show up until the yeah, lamb, same, many same years with, later. Uh, same, same with anyway. That was kept for over for a long period of time. And with sound fountain of sound masters and things like that.
uh, on the infamous, I yep. think it was the Jackson tapes that was called. It's like BBC yes. sessions or something like this, you know. And even Tony had, I think, Madman Moon around. I might be wrong. I might be oh, wrong. Wow. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think he had mm. Madman Moon for a long time as well, I think. I could be oh, wrong. I don't know. So anyway. But, but uh, I mean, I can't dance. I kind of go up and down <laughs> about it, honestly, over the years. I mean, I loved it originally, but, I, you know... And I know it's, I mean, it's in some ways, it's a lot like Invisible Touch, where it's such a perfect single, yep. such a catchy tune. Yep. I mean, it put them on all the top ratings again and awards and all these different things. I can see why they always play it all the time, but I could have given it a miss in the last couple tours, honestly. <laughs> we can't, it would have been fine. And then let's put something else older in there. Well, again, I think, I think the problem is like, I mean, obviously on the weekend dance tour, it had to be where it was kind of pretty, pretty practically at the end of the show, you know, before they do the fake yeah, good night. Yeah, it works. Though. Fake it ending, good, well, the yeah. fake good night walk off stage kind mm. of thing. So it had to be there. Plus, I guess in a way you could say it's, it's the title track, whatever you want to call it, you know. So, so it had to be there. And I think probably because of the, the next technically two tours they did after that um, with, uh, well, technically three, if you're counting, if you're including Ray Wilson here. Um which they actually finished the entire show with that song calling right. on the Calling All Stations oh, right. tour. Okay. Um, well, but then with the turn it, turn it On Again tour and the Last Number tour, it kind of was yeah. kind of left towards the end, which maybe that's probably... especially in the especially in Last Domino where it's literally it's an encore piece. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly the same with the Turn It On Again mm. tour with as an encore, um, yeah. and maybe that was the little perhaps with the song as simple as that that it really became like, okay, here's the crowd, fantastic. Here's the crowd, pleaser. You know, we're really going to... They could have maybe done something a little bit more like smarter about it by saying like, okay, well, let's keep our loyal fans true to the heart. We're going to have this much earlier on in the set or whatever. I don't know, like yeah. halfway through the set. But the fact mm. being, yeah, exactly. It was the encore for the reunion tours. Um, yeah. But I guess though, in my eyes, it was like, well, when I saw them on the Turn On Again tour... Um, to be honest, I think it was one of those things where once you heard that boom, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't help but go like, oh man, it's this, of course it is, you know. I was almost like thinking like, what are you gonna do now? What are you gonna do now? It's kind of like, mm -hmm. well, tap, 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 um, that one. It's like, oh this my one. god, you're right. <laughs> I mean, when I saw, when I yeah. saw one of my also one of my also favorite bands of all time, is actually Simply Red, and they did mm -hmm. their walk off stage thing and then they're about to come you know the lights go down you see them come on stage and think what could they possibly play now and then they played stars and of course you're slapping your head going like duh of course you know so yeah um so this is just a way to bring you up yeah yeah uh, uh, totally totally or very um, very major stuff not minor yeah no yeah yeah again we've gone yeah. dark what dark light dark light you know very different and i yeah. love to know how i'd love to have known where Mike might have got that riff from because it is a really killer riff. And again, this mm -hmm. is a song that I actually do prefer the studio version to the live version because again, I mm -hmm. think again, they did take it down for the live version. Even on the dance tour, they took it down a semitone um, 
to suit mm-hmm. Phil's vocal cords, especially this is like after two hours of singing, whatever, you know, so it's a very high, just only that the I, I can dance, I can talk, only thing about me is the way I walk, I can dance, I can sing, I'm just standing and selling everything. That's super high yeah. on the on the record, I can hear it. Every time I'm like, damn, that is high for Phil to do. <laughs> yeah. The fact being, he's got to do it three choruses as well. So it's, uh, <laughs> but again, very simple, very cool stuff going on. And um, well, I will say with uh, with Tony's noodling on the keyboard sounds, yeah. I do like on the live version where it's that the that bit doesn't come. He does it first. He does a couple versions without it. You know, the, yep. and then and then he leads into that, and it's the slow build of the song, and then the guitar riff comes in, and it's just a nice little build that works really well live, I think. It does. It's a brilliant, brilliant build live as well, especially when Phil suddenly gets into this like really almost crazy character, going like, Ugh! you know, something yep. is. It's another the, character. The, da- he's being the dance is taking type. Yeah. yeah, the the dance yeah. is taking possession of his body, yeah. and he's kind of going, like, "What the heck is going like this?" You know. I'm and glad. Again, I am glad he cut out the 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 crotch grabbing for successive tours. <laughs> that was little, little across well, the line. Well, you know, again, there. he was being very um, his hands in his pockets, playing around every night. It was uh, where well, yeah. he was being very trendy because obviously Michael Jackson was yes. still very big uh, at the mm-hmm, time and mm-hmm. still on tours himself so he was just doing that especially again in the music video and even with this dancing at the yeah. end of the song when they're rowling at the very end he's literally doing michael jackson moves but going back again real quick to me saying i would have preferred another song on there that's mm. more of a hardcore genesis fan thing and you've got to look at you know maybe half this audience a significant number of the audience they might be casual fans. They might not be the yep. same huge hardcore fans and stuff. Yep. So you need to play stuff for them. I was just remembering mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. A, one of the Tabletop Genesis episodes where one of the guys, Tom, was saying that the, when he saw, I think it was the last Domino tour um, show, there was some kid in the audience yelling, play Tarzan! And it's like, for him, that's, you know, part of his career with, you know, enjoying Phil's music and all this stuff. So it's like, obviously that's not going to happen, but there's certain songs you come to expect. And yep. obviously that was one of them. So yeah. Not Tarzan. I can't answer me. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, nice. So they got it. They got to cater to all all the audience. You know, they can't just no, pick. The... No, totally, totally, totally. And <sighs> you're never going to please anyone anyway. So oh, you're never going to please anyone. No, but just I... have fun. I think again, it was a song Phil liked and enjoyed performing because he got to be a bit of yeah. a character again yeah. too. So and again, um, and again, it's, this seems to be the theme on this on this particular episode of that about Phil's opening lyrics to the songs. And instantly, again, you got a brilliant. He set the scene with the first lyrics: "Hot sun beating down." It's like, oh, what's happening, right. what's happening here now? Okay, burning my feet, just walking around. Like, oh, okay, so I'm so I'm now on a beach. Great, I love it. You know, I've gone from the. But it's also kind of almost they're they're simple lyrics. They're easy yeah. to get to, and you're not like, I, I've oh gone, my god, I've, it's another heavy subject. Yeah, again. <laughs> I've gone from the dark, rubbled caves on the English railways to yeah. what sounds yeah. like a beach in Miami. You know, <laughs> somewhere like that, possibly. Mm. Oh, I can get behind this. It sounds nice and uplifting. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I mean, you. I mean, I do. I think I do recall listening to the song, kind of thinking like, what the heck is this song about? Um, you know, because he's he is painting this scene here. Like he's he is he is creating this scene for you here, saying like, burning my feet, hot sun, making me sweat, whatever. It's like, oh, okay, so 
you're sweating. It's a hot day. And then just says, I can't dance. The only thing about me is the way I walk. It's kind of like, oh, okay, what's going on? But then it goes, you realizing, like, it's all about these commercials, models, you know, yes, I'm sweating on a beach, man. I'm, and again, I'm the must... music video did a good job of just yeah. telling the story. My, right? <laughs> my, 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 my non-existent muscles are glistening with biceps. oil and sweat, you know. And funny enough, uh, one of the things I forgot I was trying to think of, and now it, it came to me just uh, a few minutes ago, little fun trivia here i suppose um there is actually a little connection here um that okay so they they were they were take, basically taking the mickey out of all these like levi's commercials mm -hmm. jeans commercials yep. in particular well what band actually wrote music that fitted into a jeans commercial that eventually made them a, a human a huge hit and they actually then hired a singer to become that band that band was stiltskin if anyone can remember, oh, interesting! If anyone, can, interesting. if anyone can yes. remember the song for that jeans commercial, the song "Inside," the Stiltskin uh, song. Oh, right! And then, of course, they hired Genesis's next singer. <laughs> Little did they know at the time, of course, for that. It just hit me now. It just hit Ray me um, on this episode. So, which Ray Wilson, yeah, that was a weird little link there. It's a little, yeah. little, little link in there, exactly. So, I great, wonder if great, in great the music chorus. video, because it's obviously, it's obviously Phil doing the the character. I wonder if he asked if Mike and Tony, like in Jesus knows me. So you're going to do the same thing, right, guys? You're going to be showing off your manly chests and and they're like, no, Phil, this is just you. We're this not is, touching this. This is you. We'll do the dance, but that's as far as we'll go. You know. You know, Phil, you'll sit right. there in your sleeveless top. Tony and said, "Oh my exposed, dead body!" And your very exposed chest hair—the amount of chest hair you have. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, you've got you've got all the chest hair, Phil, so you can do it. Yeah, you know, let's let's pour water on your hair and everything. You know, although yeah. they did join him in appearing in their in their in their boxes or their briefs in the pool room, I think, in the saloon bar or whatever. So, <laughs> but that was probably the extent of it. Well, yes, yeah, so a perfect, a perfect, perfect, basically palate cleanser after you've gone through a lot of story and yep. intense emotions over the first yes. three tracks, you know. You can't it. help but chuckle to this song because it really does set a funny scene for you and how amusing it is. And uh, yeah, and obviously it's, it's really nice in terms of the drums because there was a lot of drums. There's been a lot of drums on this album so far, but especially in the previous track. So it's quite cool that actually the drums don't come in until the last chorus and yeah. bass, mm -hmm. in fact, for that matter. So you've, you've yeah. chorus number three now, you've actually taken it up a level, which is quite interesting because the typical thing to do with other come bring drums in on the second verse or the second chorus. But instead you've got this little funny yeah. hand clap style drum thing, which mm -hmm. I know you asked me in the last episode, what is that? And I, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, don't know where, how they replicate that. And I think Chester does do it live as well. So um, On the electric drum, I think it was. We yeah, yeah from, an from an electric drum, which they do repeat live as well. Yeah. But I love Phil. And then you've got this, and then you've got the, like a little eight and you're bringing in that classic Tony... Um, oh, Rhodes. honky tonk piano Rhodes. style, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a, I think it's like a or electric piano, like whatever. Hammond, and Hammond true, piano. Type and true, he's probably Hammond trying. Piano. He's probably trying to bring in there like a honky tonk style piano to try to fit that uh, yeah. vibe. It's just a, it's a groove, yeah. And again, a, a brilliant again moment. stroking the keys. Yes, and again, a brilliant moment that Phil says in VH1 Storytellers when he's he is he's actually performing the song just him on a on a on a pair of uh, congas and Daryl on acoustic. Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and he, as he says as he sings the line a perfect body with a perfect face that was written about me as <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says that was written about me. Right, I think that, that uh, ends perfectly for uh, I Can't Dance discussion <laughs> it's perfect ending for it yeah
So, Icon Dots is out the way. We move on to track five, Never a Time. The one that was going to be that they uh, nicknamed as a working title. BB Hit. Right. Now. Oh, really? That, I don't, I don't that, remember seeing yeah, that. Yeah, okay. according to the No Admittance documentary, they actually called it, they mm. actually called it a big hit because they thought that was going to be the big hit for them, you see. So. Interesting. I wonder if that was all of them or if it was just... Because Mike wrote it, right? I think he wrote the lyrics, yes. Yes, I believe he yeah. wrote the lyrics. So I wonder if he just thought that. Because it does have a definitely a, a bit of a Mike of the Mechanics feel. I could imagine like him putting it on like a Mechanics yeah, album. Yeah, I too. could imagine if Paul Carrick was still in the band. I can imagine him doing a really nice mm -hmm. rendition. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. actually. He would do a nice job with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, this is the one that I do find over my years of following people and, and chatting with people about Genesis. They seem less favorable of, <laughs> even though I really like the song. I mean, I think it's great. Wow. I think it's a good uh, kind of setup because, again, as we've been talking about, you've got a lot of heavy subject matters you've been dealing with in the first um, three songs, and then mm -hmm. you have your cool little rock number. Mm -hmm. And then, no, we're not going to throw you back into the heavy stuff again. We're going to do a nice little love song, basically. Well, the end of a relationship, basically, and a nice little ballad, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's true, actually. So so you, you, know, you, you sound like you know what the song is actually about, then. I sort of did, and then... Um, <laughs> Because we took a little break on the within this episode because we spent so much time talking about the first few songs. Um, so yesterday, before, before I was getting ready for this, I decided to both listen to the songs again, even though I've heard them millions of times before myself, <laughs> but also just to be make sure I had the lyrics right in my head and actually follow the lyrics on my LP version I've got that has the lyrics, a nice big font. Mm. And I was like, okay, yeah, it is what I thought about. Yeah, <laughs> but it is about the end of a relationship. Which, you know, you would have thought maybe Phil would have written because he's very good at writing those songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that is quite ironic that actually, that here we have the first song uh, that doesn't have a Phil lyric into it. And yet it's about the end of a relationship. Hmm. So. And I'm thinking about it. It's, pretty, it's a pretty major chord song, too. It's not really like minor chords and down and sad. It's kind of it's. I mean, you you could almost like the music of it is kind of positive, I find, and nice and yeah. uplifting in some ways yeah. to the point where you could change the lyric to be about a blossoming relationship in some True. ways or a beginning of a relationship. True. True. Yes. And it's nice and simple, which I think we all needed yes, after this point. Exactly. So we can take a little breath of fresh mm -hmm. air. We can all take a little deep breath before mm -hmm. we move on. And yeah, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice number. It's obviously i can't help but to me it's almost like the music video for that song is watching the footage of phil unfortunately struggling in the studio 
for the Noah Mitchell documentary, struggling to really make a good take of the oh, yeah, song. Hit the notes. Hitting the <laughs> yes. notes and all that. And it's really singing amazing. the flat note and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it's really cool to see, actually. It's definitely one to watch. You definitely need to hear the album first and then go and watch the documentary because you're like, oh, he's going he's gonna to hit those notes now. <gasps> My God, professional Phil, he's struggling. He can't hit the notes and he's getting peed off as well about it. So it's nice to see the pro actually, you know, getting having some issues. Perfectionist, showing, that he is showing human. his, you know, the perfectionist showing his issues and showing how passionate he is about it and getting damn annoyed about it that he can't uh, get these points. So, and you listen to how he carries you, that's, on. That's when you. That's that when he says oh. turn. Doesn't he say? Uh, is that the point where he says? Camera. Well, I, I, yeah, I think that's been. <laughs> Talked about before, just for a minute. whilst I think Tony's talking to him about the ending of the track, and then Phil just looks at the camera, just Wait, going, fine. Maybe that's it, Gary Frivet. Out, he just like, Okay, he said it's out. <laughs> I'm leaving, I'm done. How could I say that's almost becoming a thing because there's a similar thing in the um, uh, Turn It On Again tour documentary where Phil can't do the mm. is it the double bass drum on um, Duke's on Travels? Duke's, Duke's Travels, yep. He's just, it's just his legs won't do it anymore. <laughs> no, and then he yeah chucks his sticks. Yep. To um somewhere and it's, it's very hard to see. These it's guys very, get it's, older, very yep. it's very tough to see. Very tough to see. Uh, to be honest, as far as I can tell, in that rehearsal, it looked like that was his first time jumping on the drums. Scary. <laughs> I'm scared. That's that's the song you're choosing to jump on the drums for the first time to a, a guy who doesn't really <laughs> play drums that much anymore. Wow. It's like you are brave. Mm. You're a brave soul. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things. Maybe he just he felt he still had it in him and everything, and yep. it's not until you actually try mm. and do it and then you realize, wait, I'm not as young as I used to be. And no, and plus, as Daryl Stormy says, he said, every instrument needs you need to rehearse, you need to practice on your own, and you know those guys aren't the type that do that. <laughs> you think, mm -hmm. wow. Uh... At least, I mean, I'm sure Phil probably did back in the day, but maybe not so much anymore, of course, you know, so. Because, I mean, let's yeah, not forget, he's just come point. off the whole, you know, he's been doing Tarzan and doing his last solo album and all these things, you know, which stuff that... Really what, it's been 30 years of non-stop bloody work. He's never taken a, a, nope. a, few, like a few holidays there, no. here and there, but not really much. No. He just keeps working. <laughs> mm. But it's interesting with Never a Time that, so we finally have a, a lyric without my, without, sorry, with without a field lyric and up until this point we've been quite it's been quite amusing that we've been checking out what the first line of the song is and it always with phil's lyric is always to the point like you know exactly what you're going to get and now we've got a mm -hmm. non-field lyric and the first lyric is there was never a time to say and you just think okay what's this song about then <laughs> and i think the second lyric <laughs> is like it seems to me we've lost our way so that might clear things up a little bit but it's like never a time to say it's like say what say what what are you talking about you know, <laughs> I, I have to say, actually, I, for years, I thought this was actually a Tony lyric because it felt quite mm. a bit mysterious in that sort of matter. So it was, but but then again, hearing there was a Mike lyric, I was like, oh, actually, that does also make sense. So, which is, which is quite bizarre because, you know, yeah. we're five songs into an album and not a single Tony lyric has popped up yet, which is makes, quite, true. Quite, makes quite a fresh, refreshing change. I mean that in the best way possible. Or a, or a, or a classic Tony solo either. So yeah, no, that's true. We've not had a proper. Fortunately, I think maybe if we, maybe if we had listened to this as, for, you know, if we'd been fans for twenty years already or something, we might have started to get angry at this point and say, "Where's some Tony solos?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. We but don't we, we don't get any real solos yeah. until side B, side two, or if you're yeah. a CD person, but, uh, uh, later tracks. Yeah.
but overall, I mean, the again, Phil really nails it. It feels like with the with the singing and everything, just hitting the notes wonderfully and really putting a lot of emotion into it. Yeah, um, and again, and thank, then thankfully we uh, have we have no lyrics mm-hmm. about goblins and hogweeds and things like this. You know, it's a very straightforward. <laughs> it's a very Phil lyric. Yeah, and he does beautiful harmonies on it. Yep. Um, I also really like, um, and it's just like nice little kind of simple piano for, for Tony. Mm. And then I really like Mike's guitar on it because I feel like yep. he could have done a much simpler guitar. And it's not, I don't think it's a slide guitar, but it's almost like that, the way he's moving up and down the fret a bit, I think, mm. um, just with the feel of it. And it's just, the guitar is a big part of the song for me. It feels like almost like a, a extra character in it and stuff. Just and it's not really a solo he has at the bridge no. and things like that. It was, but it's but it's all a big part of the song. That's you know showing the ups and downs, possibly the relationship and things. Yeah, totally. The the the, the guitar is a real standout moment for me on a lot of the album, actually, to be honest. But particularly mm-hmm. particularly in this song, it's very it it drives the song really nicely. I mean, naturally, Phil's vocals drives it, but I feel like the instrumentation wise, this 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 instrument the guitar it, it does really push this helps push the song along and uh, it's very vocal it's very there very in your face but in a very nice tasty way so yeah it's it's really mm-hmm. i particularly i'm very a, I'm, in a unique way like it doesn't yeah. feel like a guitar well i'm very i'm, I'm particularly very fond of like i think it happens maybe two or three times where phil goes like it's a long 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 way and then just a little bit of like a, a slide down from Mike's going kind of thing and it's very subtle exactly, yeah, yeah. but it just mm-hmm. happens that and it's like it's like oh well that's a, that was unexpected it's a very kind of rock thing to do to slide down the guitar you know mm-hmm. and yet he's doing it in a nice slow ballad so it's it's very refreshing well, a wonderful number it's, as we've talked about with uh, as we talked about with Mike before I mean he tends to know just kind of the right amount of guitar to put in there and not too much you know mm-hmm. not too little mm-hmm. and not to overdo it or mm-hmm. give himself the big solo or anything no and i think we've also i think we've talked about this a bit already but it really feels like as we go deeper and deeper in this album it feels like it, it is the perfect balance with the three of them where they all contributed in their ways yeah. and had their you know their greatest skills shown in both the songwriting and especially the music and we've got that classic kind of like keyboard ooh happening which <laughs> the only number I can think of, I'm sure there's more, but the only number I can think of that actually does occur is in Misunderstanding, where it must be some misunderstanding. You know, and I don't think it's from a keyboard. I think that's probably just filled backing vocal, but it's, it's... filled backing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he just sounds like almost like a like a like a backing vocals group. That's really just him recording yeah. over and over. <laughs> but it's nice to hear like a, an ooh as a backing mm-hmm. vocal on a Genesis track. So it's 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 nice to hear that again. And again, there's it's a very easy to make that sound cheesy and not so good but <laughs> phil has always worked well at and obviously in a lot of his own stuff too mm. um to know when to kind of do it and make it sound good mm-hmm. yeah and, it pa- and it's a, pa- probably the, is it the shortest the track on the album uh yeah probably it's a good point you should check that out yeah i would be surprised if it is makes this makes sense as well and you especially would you wouldn't considering with what we've just gone through as well with you know, even those sort of mine is quite the low sort of mine is like at least six minutes, I believe. And Jesus, slightly shorter. Oh, then yeah. you got then you got driving the last spike, ten wow. minutes and eight seconds, I believe. <laughs> uh, I just checked; it is three minutes and fifty seconds, so it's under four minutes. Really? Huh. Okay. Feels mm-hmm. to me like it's well, that's slightly, what Google told me at least. <laughs> like it was going slightly longer than that. Okay. 
Especially, I thought it was at least four minutes, but yeah. apparently not. Especially with the lyrics, it's a long, long, is that long a, way to go. Is that go. possibly a contender for the shortest Genesis song, possibly? Ooh. Oh, I like where this is going. Yes, true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Shortest track on the album. Right. And I, I, li- I do quite, I quite like as well the last lyric on the song, just saying, that's the way it goes. I know. I'm going to tell you right now. So it kind of it almost ends like on a positive note. This this guy, this person, just knows like, okay, I know what my next steps are going to be now. So this is mm-hmm. what's going to happen. So and it's quite amusing as well hearing those Which, little so sad echoes that then Tony talks. Mm-hmm. Then Tony talks about it in the studio with Phil. He actually brings that up, mm-hmm. saying like, oh, maybe it'd be good to like echo those so sad moments. And and I'm like, oh my god, right. I know what he's talking about. He's talking about those backing vocals. So sad. So sad. <laughs> That's where it happened then and there. There yep. and then exactly. <laughs> So I will say uh, the, on the the what, the inlay details for the the CD and the LP because I've got it here. Mm. The, it actually ends at so sad, so sad. That's the way that it goes, and that's how it says it ends. <gasps> so the bit that really? filled out at the end, I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, huh. I never never realized that. And then the way that it ends too, with just the little the little drum fill, mm. the soft drum. That's fill. another thing as well. It's, it's just perfect. so perfect beautifully beautiful. Yeah, wonderfully tasteful. If I can say that right, very tasteful fills in this song. It's because and it's probably nice for him as well. If imagine if you are a drummer who's just gone through all this epicness, and then it's just like, oh, I can mm-hmm. actually lie back and I can lay back a little bit. And it's yeah, it's just beautifully spaced as well. He he's really using the space and the time in the song, saying like, I've got all the time in the world, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to finish off this one last thing here, and and we're done. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I mean, it feels like the the perfect moment in the album to have this song. But of course, they didn't record it in this order, so no, it must have just been as they were doing the song. There's a little doodle on, um, as we've talked about, on each of the um, songs listed on the CD details. So there, this one has, um, it's it's not actually the characters on the front. Well, let me make sure. Yeah, it is actually it's the guy with the hat, which presumably is the dad, mm. and I don't know if that's the mum then, and they're sitting. Um, Apart on a hill, basically. Show sure, you real quick. Oh yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. they're not together. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Looks like, and the dad is the one Did with the. the this the, has probably the happened knee up on the hill. Yeah. So the hat. Uh, the dad's the one to let me think. When I showed you, it was your. It was to the right with the hat on. The hat That's on. how you know because he's on the cover. He's got the hat on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Looking out into the distance, wondering, hmm, and presumably the maybe the the father and son. I mean, it's starting to feel like I can't remember if we mentioned this already. That is this the father telling the son these sto- various stories of life and experience and different things. Um, and this has all already happened, you know. So then, are we saying uh, is this like a nice little segue into the next song? Then that saying the next song is a tale. That's what happened with the dad's in the dad's life. <laughs> I don't know if it's all of it's more just lessons he's trying to teach him ah, to say, perhaps. watch out for these things. Because mm. I don't know if he was doing this and he was also a minor looking on the British railways in the 19th century. Good point. True. But it's more just, you know, life lessons to a, a child to, to mm. impart to them to mm. grow and learn. I mean, again, it feels a lot like this is the album that was written by some 40 year olds. We've had kids and yep. lived life a bit, had divorces. Definitely. All these different things. Definitely. Not Mike and Tony, obviously, but <laughs> Phil, yes. <laughs> Phil made up for it. 
That's true. Um, you know, just a lot of life experience in it. I mean, yeah, not to not to touch too much on the personal side of their lives, you know, but I, apart from Mike and Tony, mm. because Steve went through a divorce and Peter eventually, I think, divorced from his first wife, Jill, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So, and then with Phil. So, yeah, Mike and Tony, the only two original members of the band. Wasn't left. one of Phil's wives called Jill, too? His second wife, that's true, yeah. Mm. Oh. Not different person. Not the right. same Jill, no. <laughs> no, otherwise they'd be like, it's not a it's not an Eric Clapton uh Oh George Harrison thing, no. Situation. <laughs> Layla thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. They would write a song called Jill. Yeah. No. Really beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Not as many people like it. Few people could say it cut off the album. I disagree. I think it's perfect in the perfect place. I think it needs it's I a think, beautiful song. I think the album needs it. It needs the the freshness mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, if you're gonna be for the, the and the kind of reset. Yeah, I mean, you could you could argue about it and say, well, you know, I won't just cut off. I won't just cut the song from the album. I will then reorder the album. Then that might be a different tale. But, mm-hmm. but for where for where yeah. where it sits, I think it's really nice. It's a nice it, to go from I can't dance into the next track would be a bit too sudden you need a little bit of a, a right. nice little mm-hmm. bit of space bit of yeah. space and segue yeah because we're about to dive into heavy subject matter again yes as we move into dreaming while you sleep Do you remember do you remember our mother our mother always doing that that she loved the do, 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 oh no I, I remember i remember you quoting this song a lot i think this was one of your favorite tracks mm-hmm. on the album in fact um well the i mean the lyrics are really just powerful oh they're insanely it's powerful i was a story I was, song you know i was actually really impressed that because again well, this is another mike lyric and i was really impressed with the lyrics because mm-hmm. i because I, whenever Mike writes a lyric, his lyrics are super strong. I have to say, I mean, he the lyrics to Land of Confusion yeah. are all his as well, and it's he really has a strong subject matter to go about. And and again, I'm sure I'm I'm curious to know where this popped off, like how so how this popped into into the into the air, this lyrical content, especially mm-hmm. if it was that first lyric saying was it a, was it something here a headline or or an article he read or something that generated yeah. You know? started something in his head and... yeah or maybe phil just murmured the lyric again like the others and then mike just thought oh let me write something about that you know it's... yeah i guess yeah saying dreaming while you sleep almost it almost sounds like a ringo expression you know that he would say <laughs> that almost sounds a little unusual and then like let's make a song out of that yeah <laughs> yeah because and i know that it's been argued about saying like well dreaming while you sleep it's like well you obviously do that don't you but it's like yeah but this is slightly different because this person this is what the character mm-hmm. is thinking because the character has mm-hmm. the character basically got into a hit and run. He was the one who did the hit and he ran. Yeah, the run. And and yep. that's that's also true because we've gone from the the first lyric of the Never a Time with a bit of like wondering what's going on, but then this one is just like in and out of darkness, in and out of sleep. 
It's almost <laughs> it almost the start to a novel. You know, you write <laughs> you write mm -hmm. you, right. Yeah, you yeah. Read that first it's in the you, dark you, place. You, you read that first yep. sentence. You're like, okay, what's coming next? I want to know. You're definitely curious. It's like okay. yeah. I mean, it's the it's the uh, it's the lyric equivalent of it was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> true yeah yeah and the, and it's a very ambient song and wonderfully oh, i gosh, love yes. the production on this and again all the minor chords here that tony did are just like oh yeah pour them on me i can't get it up classic <laughs> tony and phil uses what's mm. the a lot of uh, the, the instrument the the percussive instrument called the marimbas on this song in particular mm -hmm. and so all this little uh, that's no, all. That's all. A little that bit comes. of a hand-in-hand -in -hand influence, right? Droned here. Oh God, I like... never thought about that before. That's absolutely mm -hmm. true. In fact, rhythmically, it's almost identical. In fact, I never thought about that before. Never made that connection before. It's amazing, right? You just something new you discover after so many decades. You know? And he, and he pulled that out of his, you know, head on his first solo album. You know, yeah, ten years before. Exactly ten years before. True. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Totally right. Yeah. Maybe maybe he, had, he brought them with him. He's like, I blew the dust off these marimbas I had. I haven't used since face value. I want to use them in some way. Perhaps, perhaps. Just like just like you know, Mike uses the twelve string in the next song. You know, true, bring some old instruments true. out. True, that's right. Yeah, which was a big shocker as well. Yeah. So now, the way I've the way I've always interpreted the song too is uh, get your opinion on. He never sees. He doesn't know how she is. If she died. If she's in a coma. If she's doing better now, whatever. I think all this stuff is in his head because he ran and never decided to find out what happened, and that would is just having all these different guilt thoughts in his head now. Yeah, that would make more sense because I kind of for a while I thought maybe that he was actually in the hospital next to her, wondering mm -hmm. what's going in on in her mind if she actually is dreaming while she's sleeping because she's in a coma, a deep coma. But then if you do a hit and run, then that means then he actually came back. And then eventually he'll probably admit to his crimes. But the rest of the song is kind of wondering if she will ever will wake up, you know, and it sounds yep. like as if this is a person who is still just kept running, you know, and right. He's gone on with whatever life he presumably gone on with his life, whatever, and just, you know, never owned up to what he did. Mm. But inside himself, he's the guilt is constant. Yes. And he's, he's dreaming it every night. Oh, so maybe the dreaming while you sleep is actually about him. Mm -hmm. That maybe he's dreaming about this every single night. So technically, it's should... and they're not happy dreams by any means. No, he should be nightmaring while he's sleeping. Yeah. So, ah, mm -hmm. that's interesting as well. Could also be about him. Could be both. Could be both. But then he can't escape the fact that he hasn't told anybody, and he can't live with the guilt. So he kind of goes back to the hospital where she's lying in a coma for ever, I guess. When she's still in the coma, and the song finishes, and he kind of becomes attached to her. And his life gets linked up with hers, and he can't sort of escape really. Um, both and characters. again, you got the mood so set with the with the the wonderful minor key uh, chords, and then, I mean, Mike has a way a similar wailing guitar to Never a Time in, in a way in this one, mm -hmm. but it's a different kind of wailing. It's a painful, angst, you know, agonist, agonizing yeah. wail yeah. that is just suffering. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. That's true. The, the 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 guitar playing in this is the whole thing is it's quite creepy. I have to say, the, the, mm -hmm. the three of them they put yeah. not just mm -hmm. not just not just not just uh, all the instrumentation, but Phil's vocals as well. He just has this this ominous 
feel to it. Mm -hmm. The whole thing about is is about that. You just think the color dark. It's dark, dark, right. darkness. So <laughs> the uh, the image on the um, inlay details is a car in the rain yep. with the lights on. Um, yes. Yeah, just, so you can imagine. Yeah, you but it's dark. Yeah, and so you can totally imagine that's exactly what, unfortunately, the victim, that was the last thing they saw before mm -hmm. ending up in the coma. For some reason, I, I felt like the victim was female, but I don't think that's actually specified, is it? Yeah. Actually, I don't know if it's. Yeah. Let me look real quick. But for some reason, <laughs> I felt like it was. I don't know why. So um, at the end of the first verse, he just says, I never saw her step into the street. There you go. That's why it was. Yes. Now, I just had this crazy idea just to break the dark mood real quick. They could have done a sequel to this song. Well, I guess they never did another album, really. Mm. Where, you know, she comes back with a hook hand to avenge her attempted murder. Oh, God. You know, I know what you did last summer, Star. <laughs> I know what you did on that street. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And then that could be the that, that could be uh, that could be on the soundtrack. I, I mean, if anyone, I honestly, I think Peter would have been the only one who could have written that song. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but you know what? No, that the no, no, she did last summer. The title, the perfect title for the horror film, "Dreaming While You Sleep," is the perfect title. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, it's it's a fantastic one. I mean, it starts off so mysterious, and you can feel it's building to somewhere, mm. and you know, never never could understand what was going through my mind and all these things the person is just in complete disarray mental disarray and everything and then it just it starts to kind of explodes well oh. not, not quite there yet it got, kind of builds into this sort okay. of extra section and you're kind of like okay what's mm. okay what's going on and mike's and again it's so beautifully work. set with the chords and the beautiful yes. guitar yeah it's just like and then, where are we going i'm being taken on this wonderful journey and then and then these just the drums thunderous drums just kick in Very actually, uh, just to, to point out another link with face value, a bit in the air tonight-ish, you know. True, true. It's almost the I saw it is almost just, an identical feel. Because you haven't had you haven't had any drums at this point. You've just had no, the marimba stuff, very no, soft, and, no. and then all of a sudden, and they come in, they come smacking yeah. you in the face. And uh, I yep. and I believe we're gonna gonna little shout out here to Tabletop Genesis, and I believe it was Tom. I'm saying like, and here's Phil doing a classic Phil lyric all my life, you know. So. <laughs> which he did mm -hmm. the previous album <laughs> previous album Dreaming While You Sleep should be the chorus bit right Cause, and think? it's even got the dirt, dirt, dirt. I mean, so that's your perfect chorus but this almost feels like a bridge type thing yeah. or something yeah. but then it comes twice <laughs> Yeah, but it's beautiful though it's just like this whole like you're being lifted up and, or, and again Phil puts so much emotion into it I'm just like mm. so caught up in it or it's just another classic extra Genesis piece that you don't know what it is you don't. You can't identify mm. it in terms, you can't give it a label of a song it is just another section, which is just awesome and thunderous. Yeah. yeah. To go back to uh, the um, inlay details again here, to, to, I see the All My Life bit, which looks like it's the bridge part of the song. Um, mm. And then it's got Dream While You Sleep bit, the two lines, and then the last verse, Heard It On The Radio, and that's where it ends. So it doesn't list that All My Life coming back in a way. And so maybe that was a, you know, 
a choice not to put that on there or if it was just a you know when they were making the song were like well this bit was so nice we're going to put it in twice perhaps that was the case yeah that they just thought let's mm -hmm. let's put it in again because it's so powerful yeah because the song's so dark at this you know with all these different bits and stuff that you need that bit uplift and if you just end on a dark note you're like well now they feel really depressed let's let's <laughs> lift them up a bit <laughs> Well, I think it would have been a little bit anti And again, it ends yeah. with, a, with a beautiful bit of a solo from Mike. Of just like, oh, mm. playing these long notes and just beautifully done. Yeah. And, and it was and Phil... so fantastic live for the Week on Dance Tour. Yeah, it was really... And it was really... I wish they'd kept it in. Are they... I was trying to remember. Did they take out Jesus Who Knows before? Is that how they did it? I can't remember which one they took well, out. Well, no, for, I think... I think for well, for the, when they... For the, the, the video release... The way we walk, the official ones, not the Nebworth one, but mm -hmm. when they appeared at Els Court yeah. later on in the tour for the extended part of the tour in November. So that was in November they appeared at Els Court. Mm. The sadly now late Els Court. <laughs> so, but. Um, oh, it's gone, is it? It's gone. Yeah, sadly. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I but... can remember real quick. I'll just throw this in here while I'm remembering. Coming before I came uh, over here to California to uni. I can remember us be, um, being in the stopover in London, ah. and on the train, I think we must have gone closest, not, probably not close by Dolls Port, yeah. but I remember seeing a billboard up there advertising Hauling All Stations tour at Dolls Court. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. It could not. This also might just be my memory messing it up, but I do remember seeing a, an advertising poster for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, definitely would have been like, stations. And I think it was like at Els Court. Yeah, they did. They did play in Els Court. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There is a whole. I think. Yeah, I think so the whole was, yeah. bootleg footage is there actually. Um, you know, oh, okay. Not the bestly filmed thing, but you can see a little speck of Ray Wilson on the stage there. And as far as I know, I think it's the whole show. It's the whole show. Yeah. A little, a little ray of light. If oh, you will. nicely done. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> but so they they, but for that but for that video release they did do Dream Why Sleep. Mm. Uh, sorry, they did do Jesus Knows Me and Dream Why Sleep. Just the thing that was not. So what did they drop? Uh, I I don't know, but oh, they dropped uh, throwing it all away. That was it. That's what I thought it was for a second. So there, yeah, they went so I thought you would have dropped another. We can't dance track, they but went, they didn't. They That's went good. straight from the old medley and did then three tunes in a row from the dance album. So see. But for the next two tours, they could have dropped I Can't Dance and put in Dreaming While You Sleep, and I would have been very... <laughs> that would have been a very interesting encore <laughs> after Invisible Touch. <laughs> let's just talk about... Let's, let's do talk about a hit and run before we end with Carpet Crawlers. Very nice. Um, but, but, well, I mean, on also on the video release, uh, this might have just been an editing thing, that there was none of the whole classic mm. Home by the Sea intro. That was another thing that was just wasn't there. Which is kind of bizarre, almost mm -hmm. very much missing it. Just Phil just goes. However, Phil just goes thank y'all, and then the song begins. So yeah. But however, the link, the the, I mean, it's almost like a Genesis, beautiful segue that they do, where it's Mike doing a much more longer solo live, which is beautifully done, and then it ends as we've just been talking about, kind of with a never a time of, like that, you know, sliding yeah. down the fret, it ends, and then he says, and then it's. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so yeah, good. They, it's a brilliant <laughs> way. To, it, it was. I was very curious to know when I saw it on the set list. That was back in the day where I actually did. I didn't mind spoilers. I was happily looking through the set list, probably because I already knew mm -hmm. the set list from the Nebworth performance. But I just saw. I was just like, oh right. my god, Jimmy White sleepers in. It's like, how? What's the ending going to be like? What's the ending going <laughs> to be like? You know, because because mm -hmm. because a song like that, 
you kind of do need it to fade out because it's, it's almost like the driver yeah. the driver is just still in his car screaming at the top of his lungs I will live with this forever he's just driving off in the distance you know and almost as if to say right. you know what? who knows what he's going to do to himself at the end so but but live they go back into a chorus with full on drums I mm-hmm. mean it, it turned into a real rocking moment like you want to put your hands up and it did fist pumps and yeah yeah, yeah. And then this dream again. It's making he's making a cool lyric, much like he did with "No Son of Mine." That's a negative, true actual it's, words that you're using, but he's making a cool, true cool rock song out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was also the bit in in during the live performance where he did it multiple times during the show, where they would cut down to usually the dreaming while bit sleep bit, where he would crouch down, mm. not kneeling, but like crouch down on his haunches. And the lights would all go down, and it'd be like a spotlight on him. He's like, "Why are you sleep?" Oh, oh, that reminds that reminds me actually in the documentary mm-hmm. which we talked about in the very first episode, actually, which was like this called "Opening Night" documentary, um, which was kind of like a build up to the whole Nepworth broadcast performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a big thing about the whole weekend dance tour. Phil did say because he's sitting on this like chair. You know, but but the chair is in reverse, so his kind of arms are resting on on the the backwards the back yeah. part, the back piece. Cool way to sit in a chair, right? Yeah, <laughs> but he said that he kind of and then with the screens, the big jumbo screens behind him, with the the shots of the cars and everything, mm-hmm. he said. I think with a song like "Dreaming While You Sleep," for example, when I'm in the front of the stage sitting on the chair, like as if in the doc- in the hospital waiting room, is basically what it's supposed to be. I think that kind of works because the screens are like what's going on in my mind. me thinking like oh so then did he come back then to find out what was mm. how she was and everything you see so that's that's probably why i thought that like, maybe he did come back to find out or it was a dream of him being in the doctor's office all that so yeah and then of course with the he said <laughs> then with the jumble screens behind him those those are what basically what's going through his mind you know and then of course yeah. the last shot the last note of the song you know the shot on the screen is literally the car's headlights just completely covering up the entire screen and just Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, Blind, it's, blinding it's it. Yeah, really, yeah. It's really powerful. Really blinds you. I wonder how often you have to rehearse because at the end too, it's when he drops down into the seat. If you ever risk, yeah. you know, yeah. injuring himself, crushing himself in any way, you have to be careful with how he sat down so suddenly. You know. Well, I mean, he, and the he's gonna, chair. He, well, for that tour, he's going to end up like going on this big sort of escalator that rises him up halfway above the jumbo screens. You know, by then he's a talented stuntman. He can do anything. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then he plays with himself later and I can't dance too. So yeah, keeps himself busy. Yes, indeed. So yeah, and a great so and a great closing number to aside if you are mm-hmm. in your, if you are still a cassette person, side person, vinyl person, it's a it's a fantastic way to. End. Well, it's the end of vinyl number one, yeah, and you just sit back and kind of give yourself five minutes to be like, what Whoa. just happened? What did I experience? Yeah, so much? it is true. I have to say, it's one of those ones. A bit like, yeah, this. It is a bit like that with the same with that was mentioned as well. Keep 
keep bringing up tabletop genesis here uh, but the same with like with foxtrot and with the cd version that can utility in the coastliners has just finished but then horizon starts almost immediately and you're just like you need a second mm-hmm. to like breathe and the same with this one is like dream while you sleep kind of fades out and if you're not ready then those thundering drums kick in for tell me why and you're just like oh god right, i wasn't expecting that where it's like okay i'll just wait for the tape to run well out that's the nice thing with uh I guess a bit with LP and then with cassettes, definitely there was usually about 20 seconds of quiet time at the end of the cassette. So you let it finish because you could either let it go to the end before you could turn it over because you had to have it finish the cassette or you fast forwarded it to the end think, and then flipped it over. Yeah, I think the times that I did listen to it was always 50-50. I would always wait until the end until about, I hear my little player go and then <laughs> tape runs out. <laughs> yes, very loud and mechanical. And then flip it over. Then we move into side yep. side two, yes. <laughs> For that, we're going to take a... We're talking about having some space and giving a bit of a break here. So we're going to change things up for this third episode and do the drum bit now instead of at the end. How's that sound, Dan? Uh, sounds good, yes. Wait. Yeah, and I did have one idea for the drum part um but maybe i'll save that for the next the next uh the next part the next episode it does involve a track though from this side of the album because naturally the drum part has to be something to do with this album it just wouldn't make any sense to come from any other album so mm-hmm. so i will leave the other track i'm thinking of for the next episode it is track from side one but as we happen to be talking about dream while sleep then this actually involves dreaming while you sleep so for those of you who are kind of familiar with drums not too familiar drums but even if you're not you will notice this anyway on most most songs that you will have your drums but then you will also have your cymbals those big loud big loud trebly things that break through the sound of the drums right and those are your cymbals these big golden metallic things that you see on top of these drummers kits and they are loud i always think of it as uh like when you think of jazz music that's what i'm always hearing is that that hi-hat yeah yeah you got those little hi-hats these these things called very properly crashes and how i always get my Mm -hmm. students i always get my students to remember the name of that particular symbol crashing is like well give it a good hit give it just a good whack with both your sticks it's like now doesn't that sound like like a bunch of plates crashing onto the floor and it's like oh okay it's like so think plates when you hit that and you'd like crash so they are loud, super, super loud. And so for a, for a mm-hmm. recording engineer to have to try mm-hmm. and mix that, especially with a drummer who loves to hit cymbals so, so much, um, they are a nightmare. They really are. I mean, drums are a nightmare anyway, but with the cymbals, because they are designed mm-hmm. in a way their sound to sustain so much longer, so much longer. You can hit a drum and it will die out kind of in a quickish way, but the cymbals, yeah. if you let it ringing, it will just go on forever, honestly, especially on the size. You're of the saying there's a there's a reason in uh, in live shows they always stick the drummer as far in the back as they can. Is there? Yeah, and they even stick these like see through partitions as well, you know, because just to mm-hmm. separate it from. I mean, they probably do it for two reasons: one, to obviously not deafen out other musicians on the stage, but also maybe to cut out some microphone spillage as well. You know, like we talked about briefly in the last episode right. with, the, with mm-hmm. the electronic drums, the, mics the, picking the, it up. the yeah. Simmons, the Simmons drums. The reason they were designed in the first place was to mm-hmm. avoid any of that microphone space from 
other yeah. microphones picking up the drums. And you uh, get this in um, in studios too, right? Because you've you've done you've recorded in various studios, and yep. usually the drummer is even in a separate room, right? Oh, he's all he's always in a separate room. There might be the odd case where well, the the bass player could be in the room with the drummer to perform, but his amplifier that he's recording in that's nowhere near the drums. That's in a completely different room. Mm -hmm. You see, I'd say because I've seen it with with Genesis stuff, but I'm realizing I think it's more when they're kind of jamming yeah. that they want to be together because they're working off of each other. Yeah. But when they're actually recording, then Phil will be in a separate room. Yeah. yeah. So one particular artist uh, a few years before this, though, came up with the concept to say, you know what, for my record, this next record, I don't want any symbols on this record whatsoever. <laughs> and very properly, that chap was Mr. Peter Gabriel. So on his third record in 1980, I think it was, so I guess that was nicknamed... Uh, Peter Gabriel 3, also known as, what is it? Melt, because his face <laughs> is melting, thanks to a nice little trick photography there. And yeah, he came up with the idea for this particular album. He did not want any drums and very properly on that record. So not only his his uh, general uh, drummer, Jerry Marotta, but also good old Phil happened to be on the record because unfortunately, Phil at the time, his family had left. So he had a lot of time on his hands. And I think uh, he just got word of the out and I think they met up or whatever. And next thing, Phil is recording drums on Peter Gabriel's third record. And yeah, mm -hmm. like I said, zero symbols, just have drums. And so when you listen to that record, there are zero symbols on that record. And actually for Peter Gilbert's next record as well, Entire the fourth record. one. And rumor has it that uh, Phil was totally fine with that because Phil is Phil and he's always happy to experiment with things. Apparently, Jeremy Morata wasn't a big fan of that too much i mean it's a very strange thing to be told saying like welcome to i mean it almost feels like like playing a piano and taking away you know your left hand and just using your yeah. right hand only right <laughs> yeah or like i don't know i was gonna i was gonna say take away the black keys but then you can't do that no but yeah it's it's, it's that kind of thing where you're taking a piece yeah, of the, you take half of your instrument away <laughs> yeah yeah it's a very bizarre feeling and for that to come in and say oh by the way this session you're not going to take a big chunk of your drum kit away so and because it, it's a very I'm guessing they actually probably do. for the recording they probably took they probably took you know didn't he's like literally sat at a kit that didn't even have any symbols i would guess no i can imagine no no they would they would not even have the symbols on the kit you know so because i think even mm. that even to tempt have, you <laughs> to even have the symbols there even yeah because you know you can like anything like a glass or whatever you know you make enough sound the glass will pick up that sound and will it will vibrate a little bit mm -hmm. and reverberate mm -hmm. and the symbols will, yeah, yeah. will do that well the sound of the sim the symbols will suck in that sound as well so they'll be heard so i think the mm -hmm. maybe not even the stands were there i don't know what the setup was exactly right i would guess not yeah so there's so phil is so it's, and it's interesting as well because it's just a natural thing to do you get back into your beat number one of the next part of a whole new part of a song and you just you, that just makes so much sense to just be like right it's almost like you want to make the announcement okay now i'm going to start a new sentence right with a symbol no, yeah you're no you're not you can't you can't do it you can't you can't start a new sentence that, that way you have to start a new sentence a different way. yeah it's it like, would be like what starting a starting a new paragraph and instead of starting the new paragraph no you just keep going it's like yeah it's just one giant paragraph yeah i mean if you listen to a classic track on that album and through the wire it's phil on the drums for that one and it's just his bass drum and snare that's it you know, and you're just expecting mm -hmm. a big symbol moment, but it doesn't happen. So, I'm guessing Phil really liked that idea because eventually he wanted to try and use it. And it looked like he did use it for this song, Dreaming While You Sleep. If you really look at, look, listen to it, 
there are zero symbols mm. on the song Dreaming While You Sleep. And I have no doubt in my mind that Phil just thought, you know what? I think this will work really well. It will, it will be a powerful enough to not have any symbols on this. You know, and let's have a little echo of good old Peter Gabriel on this record by having <laughs> zero symbols for that because it's not necessary. It's powerful enough with the marimbas, all the other extra things going on. So, yeah. So... Those of you, like I said, who maybe and it feels like there's drugs, there's clearly space there for go. for symbols in it when especially with the all my life bit where it's doo, 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 and you would naturally want to hit symbols but yeah. it doesn't yeah and that's that was that and the very first time I heard that track uh, those do 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 all my nothing yeah it's like oh you just heard this doom. what powerful call, <laughs> powerful chorus from from Tony I mean it was almost like you you would still hear the echo of the drum that way and that carries yeah. on because normally that gets yeah. buried in symbol sound yeah yeah. Now, this is the interesting thing, though. It seems like they wanted to just take it up that extra level. Mm -hmm. When they did do it live, Chester did bring in the cymbals. I was about to ask that because in my head, I'm remembering I'm seeing him and he's doing do and then yeah. he's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know whether that was like Chester begging Phil to say, please don't make me do that. I can't I can't bear that. <laughs> or... They're right there. They're right there. You know, or maybe they did practice it live without the cymbals and all of them just said, are we missing something mm. here? We should just let's yeah. just have the symbols. Let's it's, it it just just doesn't work. Worked well in the live. studio, but not live. Yeah, because I believe, as far as I know, even when Peter Gabriel took out that record on the road for the third album, I might be wrong here, but I think then mm. even though they they did actually include symbols for that, I know he did that for the fourth the fourth record of his didn't have a symbols, but yet when he took that out on the road, uh, that Jerry Morata did have symbols in it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. so there you go so he I'm, said I'm not going to if you want me on the tour yeah. you need to give me my symbols so but a little less I was just thinking of um, another song though um, I Don't Care Anymore which also starts out with just drums though at the mm. end it does the symbols, the symbols do, do come, come in the very end drums in that the symbols one. do come at the very end yeah, yeah but um, they do take the time to get there yeah um, there, um, there might be yeah. some other tracks that I'm, I'm not realising here that actually don't have symbols in either oh actually in the air tonight no symbols. Of course. Yeah. 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 Zero symbols in it whatsoever. So. Although what's kind of amusing though with Peter Gabriel, the and I know this is, I know this is Genesis podcast, but we keep talking about good old PG. But what's kind of interesting though is he's that part of Genesis. Why is, not? Yeah. <laughs> so the, those two records, zero symbols, and yet, I mean, if you're not counting the Brody soundtrack that he did in between, but then the very next album after that was the So album, and literally the mm -hmm. very first sound you hear on that record is a hi hat symbol. So. <laughs> So, yeah, it is. It is the, for Red Rain. Yep. Which, uh, by the way, which by the way is played yep. by Stuart <laughs> Copeland from the Police. So yeah, and mm. it's literally That's the like first cool, thing you hear. Cool riff, so yeah. it's come. It's almost as if to say, like, okay, I'm going back to normal. All right, there you go. So <laughs> symbols are back. Yeah. Now, um, was Biko on one of those albums you mentioned? It was the third record. Yeah. Same record. Yeah, I was gonna say in my head I'm playing that and I'm like, yep, just the drum. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Intruder, no self control, all those tracks. It's just, it's just. Yep drums that's it so in a way in, in a way it kind of it's almost like one of your senses has dropped you don't have to listen out for the symbols anymore now you can actually really hear the drums mm -hmm. a lot more in a way they're not deafened by the symbols which can be the case a lot of times 
So there you and go. It's, it's clear, as you've explained, that it's um, it wasn't just a Phil wanted to come up with this. It was influenced mm -hmm. from his mm -hmm. old bandmate, mm -hmm. Peter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm sure that was a case. I don't know whether it was like a case of like he just did that because he just felt it was great. And then maybe was mentioned later on saying, oh, by the way, you know, that that's what you did with Peter. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. But I don't know. I don't know. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like, you know, what? I'm going to I'm going to use it say, yeah. on this record. Yeah. And again, I feel, you know, a musician, I think they were definitely acknowledge they were always learning and improving and changing. So, you know, they're coming off of the Invisible Touch album and all the electric 80s stuff. And they wanted to try different things again and something new with a mm -hmm. 90s album. There you go. There you go. Well, that about, I think, wraps it up then for part one of this We Can't Dance album episode that we thought was going to be one episode <laughs> and is now... <laughs> two big whoppers yeah. <laughs> or going to be two big whoppers. I haven't done the second one yet, but yeah, uh, that is side one LP one of we can't mm -hmm. dance. And, uh, we'll, uh, move on to side two in our next episode. That's right. But for now, for now it's, it's good night from me and good night from Virgil. Yes. <laughs> so thank you a lot, people. And uh, yeah, we'll see you at the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Me and Virgil chop some wood But we stop by swinging Just to listen to a cry Thank you for listening to me and Virgil, a Genesis Brothers podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get new episodes as soon as they're released. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to mention us to your Genesis friends so you can agree or disagree with what we talked about on the show. Me and Virgil, a Genesis Brothers podcast, is edited by Dan Talender and produced and hosted by Dan Talender, a.k.a. me, and Alex C. Talender, a.k.a. Virgil. If you'd like to reach us to let us know what you thought about this episode or if you wanted to correct something we were very wrong about, you can reach us at meandvirgilpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Looking for someone. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok under the handle Me and Virtual Pod for announcements and info about the show, as well as anything else we think you'd be interested in related to all things Genesis. For now, thanks again for listening. We really appreciate it. And see you on the next episode of Me and Virtual, a Genesis Brothers podcast. Well, me My God, at 48 minutes talking about two songs. <laughs>